Hey everybody, it's Aldo Gandhi, and I just want to let you know really quickly that our swag shop is reopened. DeepDishTees.com is where you go, and that's tees with T-E-E-S. Clever name, guys. They're the new home of our merchandise. You can get t-shirts, you can get caps, you can get coffee mugs, you can get hoodies, you can get all sorts of good stuff, and you'll help out the borrower with the purchase. So head over to DeepDishTees.com. find the following disturbing discretion is advised put the children to bed it's time for dan and aldo to bear their souls i love the chicago bears more than i do masturbating and that is a lot Then, with three seconds left, Bob Avellini throws a 30-something yard touchdown pass to Greg Latta, and the Bears win, and I literally shit my pants. I swear to God, I literally did. <laughs> Eric Kramer, for me, I love the guy. He's a tragic figure. I mean, he embodies all that is... If they don't run the ball here, I'm going to vomit. I swear to God. Look, I don't mean any disrespect. He just didn't play that well. Not for a guy of his caliber. You know, they won, but I'm, I'm going to be miserable all week because they stunk. I don't, I don't really have any recollection of that at all, but I guess perhaps I blacked it all out. So, Dan, tape is the ultimate tool for scouts and for coaches to evaluate players, to detect plays and so forth. And they spend hours looking at tape, right? Why do they so often get shit wrong? Ladies and gentlemen, Dan and Aldo. My music's not working. None of my equipment is working. <laughs> like the Bears offense tonight. <laughs> oh, my goodness. What a great start to the show. I was dancing, and now my video's off. My audio's off. But here we are. You can see me, but you can't see Dan. But I've got a lovely picture of Dan Aguirre up on the screen. Dan, how are you, brother? I am well. I'm going to give you a positive when it's time for me to uh, jump in here. I'm going to give you a positive assessment. My best positive angle of Sunday. Oh, I can't wait to hear that. And I can't wait to hear Johnny Santucci. He'll be joining us in a little while. John's going to take control of the comments section. So if you've got a comment, make sure you direct it to John Santucci. And if you put an extra dollar in the in the comment, I don't know how you would do that, but he'll make sure to keep you coming up for a good long time. Dan, uh, this has been um, an emotional week for me. We had an emotional show last Tuesday. I got my hopes up high that the Bears were potentially going to show the Packers that there was a new sheriff in town. 
buy the jersey, man. I was like, wow, he's all in. Yep. I was really going to buy, run out and buy a Justin Fields jersey. I was going to try to find the white one that you've been looking for but can't find. I was going to buy it and wear it and and, and rub it in. To you. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, Dan, lower your gain a little bit. For some reason, it's higher. To- I think I raised it when we were just trying to, to uh, you yeah. know, assess the yeah. level before the show started. Uh, how about now? Testing, check, testing, check. test. That's better. That's better. Okay. Very well. All right. Um, yeah. So I really was going to buy a jersey. And then, you know, we're in this game. It's, I'm not giving up hope. When we scored that uh, second touchdown, I, I had this feeling that we were going to come back, even though we didn't look that good for a good portion of the game. And then, you know, Aaron Rodgers, he, he fucking owned us. He owned us. And um, I hated that feeling for on so many different levels. The obvious level, of course, is that, you know, we lost a game. We lost again to Aaron Rodgers. And then the, the uh, away on the other spectrum is just him rubbing it in the faces of all of us Chicagoans and guys like you, Dan, who already hate Aaron Rodgers with a passion. And people are just dying to hear what it is, what it is that you uh, you're feeling right now in terms of your your feelings towards Aaron Rodgers. Now this is I'm going to use I'm going to steal a page from Rogers' podcast appearance from like three years ago. Okay, tell everybody to relax. All right, it's a good thing that Rogers did this shit on Sunday. Now, to us, to me, to you, to everyone that's interacting with us presently or listening later on uh, or watching later on, all of us fans have taken to this sh- have taken this shit personally for years. You know, this matters to us. I'm not going to say it matters more than it does to the players, but to us, this is not a business. To us, this is uh, maybe pathetically or what have you, but it, it's sort of our livelihoods, you know, in a certain sense. I mean, obviously, your family means more, your your house means more, but you know what I'm saying. This yeah. means everything else other than your bills, right? Mm-hmm. But to to the players in the era of free agency, they switch teams every year. I think it's hard for them to 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 view this as uh, the Packers are not a hated rival they're just another job it's another it's another job interview i mean adrian amos is drafted by the bears he runs this fucking shit straight to wisconsin as soon as they pay him and maybe mm. i would too i'm I, I doubt it but i'm just saying because i'm an idiot but my point is it's hard for them to feel the way it did when ditka's coach when you have essentially the same team with the exception of a few players here or there every year. But with Rodgers rubbing this in, two things that come to mind. First off, immediately, maybe this is a good thing uh, in terms of, let me take you back four years. Do you remember the game where it was John Fox's last season? It was somewhere around week 10 when it was the Benny Cunningham game when Cunningham gets knocked out at the half-yard line. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, challenges it and they turn the ball over on a touchback to Green Bay at that exact moment in time and I'm sure my thought wasn't independent from yours or anyone else's I just didn't know you yet it felt like that was the end the beginning of the end for Fox like he's not going to survive this now and that's what I thought with Aaron Rodgers moment the other day is that this is either the moment where Nagy has a rallying point Mm -hmm. and turns shit around or this is the beginning of the end for him. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. Now, 
as a Bear fan, I'm rooting for him to suddenly cut off uh, an eight-game winning streak and, and to stay, honestly. I don't want him to lose his job because I don't want to lose any more games. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the season, I think this is going to be a moment because that cut so deeply. It, man, George McCaskey cares. Even if you think he's stupid in business, the dude's a fan. I think that that, that turned the heater up I mean, noticeably hotter on Nagy's seat. But the reason I say also that that's a positive thing is because this allows the players to know that, hey, this is a rivalry. You may not be here but two years and you may jump to Green Bay or to another team, but for right now, you got to go play these guys in Wisconsin again in December. Mm-hmm. And this is what they think of you. He thinks of you as just, he's as condescending to you as anyone could possibly be in this league. He thinks you are shit. He thinks this uniform is shit. And what are you going to do about it? So I'm hoping that the positive part is to say, A, they can use this in a Lovey Smith kind of tactic for motivation because that put not only the organization on notice, but also the Bears players and coaches. There's no way Nagy doesn't just play that over and over and over. If he doesn't, he's a fool, which we all think he is anyway. So maybe he doesn't. But, I again, to end my point, I honestly believe that if he doesn't have some kind of drastic turnaround this season, that was the beginning of the end of his tenure. Mm. Chubb says, more importantly, he treated the fans like shit. And Chubb's earlier asked the question or made the statement, you know, there's no fucking way that Aaron Rodgers owns him. And any Bears fan that feels like Aaron Rodgers – is owning you, you know, I'm paraphrasing now because I don't have it right in front of me, but you're an idiot. And I, you know, I'm not taking it literally. He's not, you know, he's not, not my slave owner, but the fact of the matter is when you play sports with someone and you have a 22 and five record, uh, the playground pr- playground vernacular is I own you. And so from that standpoint, he does. That now, was a Michael Jordan kind of moment. Yeah. And when somebody, uh, when I was younger and somebody said something like that to me, I would shove the guy, you know, it, we're going to throw it down. You got to, if you beat the shit out of me and you don't hold respect and you're going to be trash talking in, my, in front of my face and so forth. Well, then let's see if you can beat my ass, you know, because that's just the way I grew up in a rough neighborhood. And so you had to do that or if not, you were going to be somebody's bitch and, uh, and that ain't going to be me. But the fact of the matter that in athletics, he and the Green Bay Packers owned the Chicago Bears. And what I hated about it is that he was pointing the finger at us Bears fans in the city of Chicago. That's why I'm pissed off at him. And that's why I'm pissed off at the organization. Go ahead, Dan. I didn't mean I was just re-echoing your point. It seems like he's he's always been arrogant. Like, uh, as, you know, being here and. I've had so many people like reach out to me because just where I am, I'm sort of like the spokesperson for the bears, you know, like locally and everyone, like even my boss here, my, the operations manager at my station, uh, he sent me an email about something, you know, about work. And then at the end of it, he's like, I guess you really hate Rogers now, don't you? I'm like, no, I, I hated him. I honestly, that didn't resonate with me anymore. Cause I always knew that he was a scumbag mm-hmm. and his press conference afterwards when he claimed that he was in some kind of zone and doesn't know what he said, that was such bullshit. If you're going to say that, even if the woman is really giving you the two middle fingers like he, he claims, 
then own it, man. Just be like, yeah, I was caught up in the heat of the moment. Don't say you don't recognize what you said. You know what you said. But let, let me try to give you a positive. I'm going to try to make you happy again. Thank you. Check. <laughs> for real, for real. Uh, this is this is a best case scenario, and maybe it's bullshit, and maybe I'll look back in three weeks and say, okay, uh, I clearly was stoned or something, even though I don't smoke, but maybe I should start. I don't know. So uh, perhaps this is, like I said, the rallying point. Now, follow me this. So we all think that maybe Rodgers is gone after this season, right? Mm-hmm. Wouldn't it be so ironic it's somehow, let's say they're five and one. Let's just give them the division. They're probably going to win it. They got a two game lead on us and a tiebreaker right now. And they're probably going to win the NFC North. Let's say for some reason the Bears get that sixth or seventh seed wild card. They go up there and knock them off in the first round. Wouldn't it be ironic for the guy that says, I own you, I still own you, to get his last moment as a Packer, his last game ever at Lambeau, to be eliminated? by the team that he was taunting and yeah. say, who are you now, you fuck? Yeah, we need a poetic ending for uh, to this whole rivalry, and a lot of people aren't calling it a rivalry anymore. But yeah, but we, 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 we Bears fans need some justice, some redemption. Right. We deserve for them to rub our face and shit. Think about this. The Bears had like a 25-game lead in the series when Ditka was fired, and we're down seven games now. <laughs> it's crazy. That's yeah, I mean, they've been rubbing their nose and shit for the last 30 years. Mm-hmm. So that's why I was saying last week, that, I mean, if I want to cut the shit, last week I, I didn't want to say what I really thought was that they'll, they'll find a way to beat us. I, I just couldn't say that. Nothing in my fiber will allow me to admit that when it's going into the game because I never want to just say we don't have a chance. But weird things always happen, and it just always goes their way. Just as an example, without jumping too far in, you remember the play – and again, at the time, I was listening in the car on Sirius because I was uh, traveling to that Slipknot concert, and I watched the game on Monday. Uh, but the play earlier in the game that just seemed to to kill our momentum when the Packers were clearly offsides, at the very least they're in the neutral zone or it's encroachment, it's one of those Aaron Rodgers kind of plays. Mm-hmm. So Field sees it, throws the ball deep. For some reason, A-Rob cuts his route off, but okay, it's a free play. And it turns into an interception. And everyone in the fucking country saw, I think it was Clark, that was offsides or at least in the neutral zone there that jumped. Every other quarterback gets that call. But in that exact minute, what happened? There's no flag. Mm-hmm. It's just things like that always happen to the Bears. And I'm not trying to like have a victim complex. or It's just we could go through a list of things every year that happen like that where you're just like, okay, another one. Um, early in the game, Fields was running. It was in the first half. I don't remember which quarter. He, and he got on the sidelines, and they had a guy named Garvin slam him. And then not only did he slam him on the sidelines, he brought him back the other way and kind of slammed him again. It was it was really quick, but he, he tackled him. The first time wasn't so much nefarious, but he held on and brought him back again. And when I was listening when that was live, Tom Thayer was just like, oh, you know, just the sound effect. I didn't know what it was until I saw it later. That play gets a guy ejected if they do that to Rodgers. It's just these things never had. They don't throw a flag when it's on field or when it happens to fields. When they jump off sides, they don't throw that flag. And it's just like, what are you going to do if the league says, well, we blew that call? It doesn't change anything. Mm-hmm. But it changed the momentum in that game and the complexion of the game. And the thing that Nagy just absolutely is piss poor at is making adjustments. 
Like think about when the Packers uh, center went down. I now I'm stealing the statistic from WGN. That's the only post game I listened to. I heard it today actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they said when they brought the new center in, they went almost 30 plays before they put a nose tackle right in front of him. Mm-hmm. And conversely, uh, Dan Hampton was saying that, you know, Buddy Ryan uh, immediately first play would have saw that and said, go hit that fucking guy. Make him worry about who he's going to block while, while he's snapping the ball, which honestly happened to Mustafa for a few times. Mm-hmm. So it's just like they don't take advantage of what of the like when the, the secondary gets light, you know, they don't seem to attack. Mm-hmm. People go down like Nagy just can't make adjustments. Yeah, and actually some of the things that you're sharing with us are I have in the media bites uh, that I'm going to present here shortly. But before I do that, I want to bring John in because I'd love to get John's take on this whole um, issue with Aaron Rodgers and how you felt about that. For those of you who don't know, the good-looking gentleman screen right is John Santucci, otherwise known as the Tooch. He is our co-producer and we'd love to get his takes on certain things. Welcome to the show, John. You heard us what we were talking. You've been monitoring the comments. What's your thought on this whole thing? Oh, unmute yourself and we'll be able to hear you. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't realize I was uh, muted. Um, you know, I'll tell you, I, did I think the Bears were going to beat the Packers? No. Did I think they had a chance? Sure. Uh, but I don't think I've ever felt this low in quite a long time. And you know, uh, the Rogers with his championship belt motion and I own you, you know, that was salt in my wounds, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, it, it didn't sit well with me. That, you know, I, it's lingering in the back of my head this whole week while I work, while I do things, just the simmering anger of uh, before I'm like, OK, I don't I, I don't care what Nagy does. I don't think. You know, Nagy will ever figure out how to beat the good teams because when it comes down to it, uh, the Bears, they beat the teams they should beat. But when they play the uh, the elite of the NFL, you know, they, they, they come up short. And, and it's been that way for quite a long time. You know, I, I can't remember when we beat, you know, one of the upper echelon teams. And this fan base is... You know, crying out for the Bears to become one of those upper echelon teams because it has been so long. And 22 and 5, uh, I can't say that Aaron Rodgers doesn't doesn't have a point when he says, I own you. He doesn't own the fans. He sure as heck owns the Bears. And it's simmering back there because I don't I, I'm sick of losing to the to the friggin' Packers. Oh shit. <laughs> That's my thoughts. But I did I did prepare a slideshow for for Dan Aguirre. I know he can't see it, but he'll he see it on the replay. He'll see it on the replay. So my uh, my slideshow for how I how I feel. I call this uh, Sergeant Bears Lonely Fans Club Band because uh-huh. as as Dan Aguirre knows, it was twenty years ago today when Mike Brown had to save the day. And the Bears were who we thought they were, Dennis. But Aldo and I, here's where Aldo and I are. We're in the Chicago Bears cycle. We, we lose in embarrassing fashion. We call for Matt Nagy to get fired. Then we beat up on a bad team, and Matt Nagy gets to keep his job for another week. Although we might have to delay that 
for this yeah. coming week because we're playing the world champion Buccaneers next week. And I tell you, Tom, I love Justin Fields, but Tom Brady versus Justin Fields isn't that hard of a choice for me, although. Mm-hmm. I hear you. It's not at all. Dan, you were going to say something? I was just uh, talking, adding on to two. I was like, he said, I forget exactly what he said about owning. Uh, I think he was referencing owning as equal. Rogers ought to own his comments, like his post game, or like I said yeah, earlier, right. when he was like, oh, I, you know, I was just, I don't know what I said. I was just in that kind of zone. It's the most disingenuous shit like imaginable. Uh, but I was going to tell you too on the trip. I tried everything I could because me be be being Mr. Superstition. So the, it starts out well, you know, and uh, and then suddenly Green Bay takes over and I'm listening. I'm like, God, I've got to do something. I'm powerless. I was like, what if I turn it to Wayne Larravee and start listening to Green Bay's broadcast and pretend just for a moment that I'm rooting for the Packers somehow. Well, that flips aside some kind of the, the, well, the universe then help the players. <laughs> as soon as I switched it to green Bay radio, the next drive, the Bears scored. And I thought, this is it. I've come up with the formula. <laughs> yes. The old bears announcer and, and, and on the green Bay station and we're going to win. And of course we didn't, but I, I tried. That's I did everything I could. I didn't watch it live. I switched radio stations and it still just wasn't enough. So, there are a lot of frustration about this game. Um, I want to get into some of the particulars of the game, but I think the best thing to do is sort of help us segue through this. With the media bites that I put together, we have got the media talking about the Aaron Rodgers situation that we've just finished talking about, the I own you comment, and then it segues to some of the problems with the Chicago Bears team, and then – on the other end, uh, the three of us can pick up on that conversation. So let's play the Media Bites for this week. It's a 15-minute segment. So, uh, Dan, how many times can you ejaculate within 15 minutes? No, no need to ejaculate when, when you're coming off this kind of loss. <laughs> that is true. I, I will give you that. <laughs> All right, here we go. Three, two, one. What stands for the land of the stinking onion. That's a real fact. Like, I thought that would be like a franchise turning point moment if the Bears could pull that When they were up 7-0. Seven, oh, I, seven, oh, I, mean, I was like, ooh. Yeah, man. Like, could ooh. you imagine? Uh, up 7-0. Oh, wow. They really got something going here. And it's Rodgers uh. going to take it himself. Look at him. RC, how about the speed? The pump fake, the speed, uh. and then the stunt dog at the end. He going, boy, does he ever. So you'll hear him explain. The fans were giving him the business, perhaps one in particular. He got up, and he had this to say in reply. I own you. I love <laughs> I mean. it. No flags thrown, no taunting penalties. The truth is an absolute defense. It's impossible to argue. Aaron Rodgers, the owner of the Bears, with a 10-point win. Fuck you! Fuck you! Fuck you! I looked up in the stands, and then from row, all I saw was a woman giving me a double bird. I didn't know my wife was in Chicago yesterday. Uh... <laughs> well, I'm not sure exactly what came out of my mouth next. Fuck you! I like and, to punch him in his face. To yeah, yeah. I like to punch him in his face. Uh, when, when you see that, that's your first reaction, right? Um, I don't care if you're right. I don't, you know, I don't care what his excuse is. That's just is your first reaction. I don't care if he, you know, 
I don't know. To me, that's that's a lame excuse. At the podium, I saw some lady flick me off, and I blacked out. Look, look, look. Just just say you. Th- that's how you, we all know. This is the kind of guy you are. You know, competitive, and that's the way you feel. And you have won a lot of games here at Soldier Field. Uh, and, you know, just because you're right, it doesn't make you right for doing it. Uh, doesn't make us any less pissed off. For a lot of this game, the Bears were in it, and you're like, okay, here's this cool new group with Fields Herbert? and Khalil Herbert going for 97 yards, and yeah, like the two good. rookies, and like the defense in his face. Mooney looked good. Yeah. And then Rodgers does what he does. Always happens. Under five minutes to go at Soldier Field, he'll do some miraculous thing, whether it's Jordy Nelson or Randall Cobb, or in this case himself. I don't even have a response to that. I own. I kind of like that. Would have liked it if he said, we own you, but he said, I own you. I don't know. That was a little very personal. Like, I own you. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. That's, that's interesting. Own it. I own Justin Fields in his fourth start. <laughs> I own the day in which I couldn't even throw for 200 yards while Dak Prescott threw for four. Was it 465? Are, are you saying? Are you saying? You saying the Patriots have a comparable defense to the Bears? I, I, yeah, I think it's in the ballpark. Skip. I think it's in the ballpark. Yeah, I do. What ballpark? Yeah. The, uh, the only part they you to me Yellowstone no. or Yosemite because that's the only part where Patriots defense is in the part with the Chicago Bears. Yeah. I think for the like Chicago Bears fans in their organization, Aaron Rodgers is Michael Myers. Fake to Graham. Rodgers going deep. He's got a man up and it's Jennings. Touchdown Packers. Six touchdowns in the first half. <laughs> Rodgers surveying, fires, that's caught. Randall Cobb into Chicago territory. Randall Cobb inside the 20 yard line. Randall Cobb is going to score. I know you guys have a dumb butt in there. Uh, I'd like to tell you exactly how I feel about it. Um, but I can't say too much on this radio show, uh, on the radio, about exactly how I feel about Aaron Rodgers doing that. Fuck you! This is vintage LeBron esque. Oh my God. I LeBron getting this one. He is, I, how many times have I told you? He is the LeBron James of the National Football League. He is the biggest diva, he is the biggest front runner, and the audacity. To, to to seize a moment against a rookie quarterback in his fourth start, and you're barely winning the game anyway, and you go two out of eight on third down in the game, and you don't even throw for 200 yards in the whole game. They need to. And you barely top 300 total yards, your offense, in the game. Mm-hmm. And you finally get loose on a scramble at the end of the game, and he looks slower than Tom Brady. I certainly would like to see Aaron Rodgers be more of a quarterback and less of a diva. I'd like to see my quarterbacks be like Peyton Manning, you know? 
Don't go challenge the fans. Just be a straight-up guy. Don't have any fun. Be like Warren Moon. Just approach the game like a professional. Mm. See, Aaron Rodgers is not traveling the world like a professional. Mm, He's acting like a real jerk right now, screaming Mm. at fans and stuff. So I want to make sure that he just doesn't do that moving forward. Take that away from Aaron Rodgers, and he would have had a great game. Because otherwise, I'm, he's having I'm, too much fun. Max, I'm just kidding. Yeah. No, no, no. So otherwise, he's having Rogers too much fun. It, he gets praise, but when other players do it, they <laughs> No, get... no. I love it. I love when Aaron's doing it. I just, I just can hear people in their mind saying that Aaron Rodgers shouldn't be having as much fun as he's having out on the football field, and he's challenging the fans. So I'm sure the Twitter world is going at him on his Twitter account or whatever the Actually, case is. Actually, speaking of online, you know, you know uh-huh. what, a, you know what a, the Bears Wikipedia page? What's that? The owner now says Aaron Rodgers on the Bears Wikipedia page. Someone got on there and changed it. <laughs> owner Aaron Rodgers. But he's 22 and 5. <laughs> Hell yeah, yo. Yeah, he, he does. Nothing, do. That's, <laughs> nothing see, he can I, do. Things like this are great for sports, right? Absolutely. Because uh, as a fan, like you, you know, fans say want to, look, they have impact on games. And regardless of what people think, as a player on the field or on the court, I hear you. Yeah, I hear you. As someone who is always pro trash talk, that was pro trash talk when it was Tim Anderson, when it was Javi Baez, when it was Michael Jordan, when it was Deion Sanders, when it was Terrell Owens, when it was Chad Ochocinco. I, I am pro trash talk. I think it makes the games more interesting, and this is an entertainment product. That moment was awesome. Sucks who was doing it and who he was doing it to, but the moment itself was awesome. Think about this wow. for a second. 22 and 5? You're a divisional rival. It's not a rivalry anymore. It's not a rivalry. That's right. Like, we're comparing it to Jordan and, like, how would a Knicks fan feel? The Bears aren't the Knicks. The Bears suck. The, the Bears have been we've, nobody. We've, we've had moments where we were the Knicks. Yeah, but that's not what it is. Hosted an NFC championship game. That was that was the year. That's the equivalent of, of, of when uh, Charles Smith couldn't get a shot up on Horace Grant. the Knicks and the Detroit Lions are the Knicks and we're the Indiana you know, Jordan Pacers. Had, Jordan was a villain to a lot of people. A, a lot of teams. Every team, in fact, in the Eastern Conference for a decade felt that way. I mean, you look at the list of most wins by a quarterback against one team, Danny, and I happen to be looking at it here. It's Brady against the Bills and the Jets and then it's Favre against the Lions And then eventually you get to Favre against the Bears and Rodgers against the Bears, you know? But you also, you still see Rodgers against the Lions in there and (laughs) Favre against the Vikings in there. I mean, this is what happens. Yeah. This entire division feels this way about these people. One thing that Dennis Green, when he took over uh, the Minnesota Vikings, Mm -hmm. he put the Green Bay Packers on the board. He said, I'm going to make this simple for you guys. Just so you know, it's just like the East, um, just like high school. The East side versus the kids on the other side of the track. Like, (laughs) you need to know who you need to beat. And we need to beat the Green Bay Packers. Mm -hmm. That was always number one. Ever since I arrived in Minnesota in 1990, there has always been, whoever the starting quarterback is, his jersey will be on the practice dummy Mm -hmm. in Minnesota. We went from Favre to Rodgers, and we don't mind it because we know you have to take that guy down. But... 
the total incompetence mm-hmm. of Chicago, the inability to have a steady coach, a steady quarterback in with their number one rival. Um, that's that's really uh, for one of the best rivals that we have uh, in, in the NFL. Is it, they, a, is it a rivalry? I don't know. The really great quarterbacks understand, Skip. I got a rookie. If I don't turn it over, I don't believe he can do enough against our defense to beat us. As long as I don't give them short fields. Mm. Remember, the Cowboys going for it on first down on their own 34, gave a rookie quarterback a short field. What did he do? Score a touchdown out of it. Yep. Aaron Rodgers says, oh, no, no, no. I don't need to be spectacular. We're going to be able to run the game, run the football well enough. All I can do is make a few throws here and there. Everything else to take care of itself. I thought he orchestrated the game plan. Unbelievable. He did not put the ball in harm's way. Got the one big play to Devontae. Uh, Aaron Jones did a great job of running the football. And so that's what you need in a situation like that, Skip. Mm-hmm. And he was like, the emotion. He said, I looked up in the stands and there was a lady giving me the, <laughs> giving me the double bow. Mm-hmm. I don't know what came out of her mouth, but you know, hey, I had to meet fire with fire. And said, I looked up like, you know, I still I own you. Mm-hmm. You know, I bleeping on you. Fuck you. We talked at ad nauseum in the pregame about how important it would be for not only you know, the players to be ready to play, but for the coaches bingo, to do, to do the best job they could <clears throat> at having game plans designed to be effective, to be productive. We played into the hands of the Packers <clears throat> today. We did exactly what they wanted us to do. We didn't threaten them until late in the game. Now think about this. OB, you and I were screaming the entire day. Early in the game, the Packers center went out. Okay, big deal. He snaps the ball. Well, guess what? You got a backup center in there, and not one time, not one time over the next 25 plays did they put somebody on his nose. That's right. To make him understand, you know, he's got to make sure he gets a snap and then get his hands up to block. We saw our center muff a, a, a ball and not even get the snap off because he was so concerned with Kenny Clark on his nose. But simple things like that. Think about this. Both offensive tackles, backups, the center, backup, three out of the five offensive linemen in this game for the Packers were backups on the defensive side. Savage left the game after he hit Herbert and, and got a concussion. So, both starting corners are down, and now the safety. Three out of the four starting secondary members of the Packers did not play in this game in the second half. Unbelievable. And yet we only threw the ball down the field in the middle on that one lone touchdown drive. The rest of the time, we were sending our receivers deep outs. All these idiotic pass plays where the quarterback had no option and he had to sit back there, pat the ball, then start having to figure out how to evade the pressure or get sacked. I'm telling you, folks, I'm telling you, if I watch this game film with these coaches, they wouldn't want to walk out of the room. They would be so embarrassed because we were so stupid today. Danny, absolutely. There's really nowhere to go. Those are the words. Stupid. 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 Stupid is, stupid does. Can't believe that this many years into this regime, there aren't more playmakers out mm-hmm. there. I, I think they're trying to, they're trying to get them, um, but they're trying to do it later in the round. They're trying to do it with the later picks. They're trying to hit on somebody, and they missed on Kevin White. Right? That they was a massive miss. That was a massive miss. Now, you got to go get another guy. You, got, you have to get a, you mentioned uh, Jamar Chase earlier, like a guy like that. You have to go get a guy like that. If Allen Robinson is not that guy, 
If he is, then you got to use him like it. Right. Because they're not using him like it. He, he comes away out of this game. I think he had five targets or something like that. You you got to use him. If he's your number one, five you got to use him. Is there an Allen Robinson problem? Are we continuing oh, to there's discuss a, there, There's a definite Allen Robinson problem. And Pete, we've talked about this a lot, that he's had so much success with bad quarterbacks. I mean, you think about the guys in Jacksonville, the highlight would be Blake Bortles, that 2015 season that he had, which was record-breaking, uh, not just for Jacksonville, but for NFL purposes. And the guys he's had in Chicago with Andy Dalton and Nick Foles and uh, Mitchell Trubisky, it's been bad for him. And we thought, okay, Justin Fields comes in, maybe things are gonna get a lot better. It's gotten so much worse. They were far from perfect in the first half, made too many mistakes. It was still 10 to seven, and it, they basically had two choices. They could come out and play closer to perfect second half, probably win the game, or continue the crap they were doing in the first half. And you could tell right away on the second play, I think it was, they throw that little, I don't know if it was the second play, but it was second down, they throw that little screen to Khalil Herbert, and he drops the ball. Drive over, drive killer. It's just continuing to be a theme with the Bears in recent years, these drive killers. You've he heard Matt Nagy talk about them. You can't have drive killers against Aaron Rodgers. There's just no margin for error. And the offense is the worst in football. It's, it's a terrible offense, and it's been a terrible offense except for the, the glow, his glow-up year of 2018. Other than that, it's been bad, bad, bad. Yeah, and that year their starting quarterback had all of 24 touchdown passes. It was nothing special offensively. The results were amazing. The the hope, the buzz, the energy, the vibe, the club dub, the leadership, all the quotes, all that was great. But the offense was still just like, yeah, it was fine. I think, you, you know, get away from selecting guys in the first round that you say have so much upside. These guys are so much potential. If you just get them around the right coach, there's so much you can do with him. You know, you're going into the first round, especially you're going into the top ten. Take a get sure a surefire guy. Like Roquan. Absolutely. There was no doubt in our mind that, that Roquan, his play in, in college was going to transition over into the NFL. They were going to take one of two guys at that eighth pick. It was either going to be Quentin Nelson, who they wanted. He was gone. Yeah. So they took Roquan. He's a perennial pro bowler. Both of those guys are surefire guys. You knew those guys were going to play well in the NFL. When they went after Gallaudet this offseason, they admitted they had a problem at wide receiver, that they needed somebody mm -hmm. explosive. They didn't hit on Miller. They trade up for Anthony Miller in the mm -hmm. second round. They don't hit on him. They don't hit on Adam Shaheen, right? So they got to go take Cole Komet. They don't hit on Mr. Trubisky, so you got to redraft the quarterback. And give up more So capital. you don't have time. You give, you give first-round picks for Khalil Mack, right? Mm -hmm. You don't get the explosive players if you can't get the positions fixed. So that's why they're in this position. They admitted that to you so much last year when they tried to give Galladay all that money. He ended up with the Giants, right? They went after Trent Williams, at left tackle. He ended up staying with the San Francisco 49ers. So they had to redraft position. It's not a mystery why they're in this position. There it is. Media Bites for this week. Boy, we covered a lot of ground there, huh, Dan Aguirre? Yeah, the one that still bothers me more than any and even more so than this Rodgers uh, week and his antics, the thing that and you had it in there, it's from 2013, week 17, when and you're in, and it's fourth and really long, the Chris Conti play when uh, Joe Buck says, Cobb! And he's wide open down the field and he scores. Again, that's the one time I marsawed my remote. <laughs> Shattered that baby. You know, my uh, soon-to-be wife at the time uh, looked at me like I was an idiot because I was. But that, that's, I'm telling you, which, that might be the worst 
the worst moments of my fandom ever for the Bears are losing that 88 NFC Championship game, the Super Bowl of the Colts, the championship game in 2010, and then that game with Cobb. And that co- that that moment with Cobb is the one I think I took I took the worst, arguably, because I think it added on to all those other ones. Yeah, and and it, it, you, the two things from <laughs> three things actually I want to say about that highlight package, with the backers is that people are telling me in the chat whoever put this shit together should be fired. Although <laughs> they hated seeing reliving those terrible moments, so I did a good job there. Because that was the point, you know. That's why he can get away from a philosophical standpoint saying he owns us. Because on the football field, he has owned us. I played basketball against against guys who told me, I own you. And they did. They beat the shit out of me. But it didn't stop me from telling them, fuck you. So that's one point. Secondly, on all those highlights, it's amazing how often the secondary is just being burned to death. Yes, on some plays, the pass rush wasn't there, but on a lot of plays, the pass rush forced them out of the pocket. Where the, their biggest mistake was not containing them in the pocket. But boy, oh boy, after, replay after fucking replay after fucking replay. It is the defensive backs, the the DBs who are getting burned. They're fucking playing safety, and there's the guy wide open in the middle of the uh, of the zone. They're they're playing. Uh, uh, what I meant when they're playing safety, they're playing zone and, and there's the open wide receiver. When they're playing one-to-one, the fucking receiver is making a great catch on a perfectly thrown ball by Aaron Rodgers over and fucking over again. And third, the thing that I noticed most is Randall Cobb. He and Aaron Rodgers have been fucking Oh God! I just just wish they would go away now. I'm not, I've given up on trying to beat them. <laughs> just get them get them away from me. I'm so fucking frustrated. And I'll add to that by pointing this out. Uh, you know that safety combo that I, I think in 2013 would have been Chris Conti and Major Wright. <laughs> yes, Major Wright was already gone, and I just don't remember. But I would take both of those guys. I mean this wholeheartedly over Eddie Jackson and, and Gibson. Gibson's tackling, and, and we know we've it, the Eddie Jackson stuff is well documented. The play on the goal line again the other day, and Gibson had two horrendous. I, I would, I mean, Deion Bush, what does this guy got to do to be a starter when he's got these two bums in front of him? I, I think the Bears, this is the worst two starters, starting safeties that I, we've had in the 30-plus years I've, I've watched the Bears. They're, they are dreadful. The worst two safeties of in all of football 2021. Yeah, it's and it's it's so disappointing to see that Gibson has decided to enlist in the Eddie Jackson, I don't want to tackle school, you know, because his tackling was much better last season, particularly in the second half of the season. He was the best safety, I think maybe he was one of the best safeties in the NFC. I can say that with some certainty. The last six, seven, eight games of the season, Gibson was. But this season, you know, that tackle attempt against the Packers, I mean, that was a brilliantly called up defense by Sean Desai. They had the field blanketed. Rodgers saw that it was blanketed and had to dump that pass off, and fucking Gibson gives the Olay-type tackle. It's it's so frustrating that, you know, I finally thought, well, maybe now we have found the replacement for Adrian Amos because I was all in on Adrian Amos, just like a lot of you guys were 
Don't fucking lose this guy. He Finally, we got a safety tandem that is playing well together in 2018, and the fucking Bears can't figure out a way to maintain Adrian Amos. And hindsight being 2020, it should have been Eddie Jackson. They should have gift wrapped to the, to the Packers. So uh, you're absolutely right, uh, Dan. I would fucking take Chris Conte and Chris Conte's mother to play the safety positions for the Chicago Bears right now. I could tell fucking John Santucci is angry. I think he's ordering up a hit. Somebody's going to be over at Dallas Hall with two two machine guns. (laughs) Awful tackle on that the backup running back, Dylan, in the first half where he got like 20 or 30 yards just because of Gibson. And then on that touchdown from Jones, uh, that was all on Gibson, too. And, of course, we're not talking about the linebacker, Gip 99. We're talking about the bullshit safety. Right. Tation. He he was just dreadful. And, and Eddie Jackson is, I mean, at this point, he's done. I think he's, so. I think he so. Paid, he got paid, and that that's that. that he's done. Yep. You know, the trade deadline is coming up. And there's a bunch of teams, I was saying this on the other show that we had earlier tonight, The Kansas City Chiefs are desperately looking for a safety, and there's a couple of other teams who are in safety help. Now, Eddie Jackson comes with this big fucking price tag, so a lot of teams may not have the the money or they may not want to invest in Eddie Jackson for multiple years, but he does have an out in his contract, and so perhaps there's a way for the Bears, again, to fucking eat more money out of somebody's contract and just unload the fucker because – I do believe, and I forgot, and and John, if you can find it, somebody earlier, maybe 10 minutes ago, said that Eddie Jackson is a cancer in the locker room. I think maybe it was King Pokey Nation. And I'm starting to believe that because what happens on Sunday, Lance Briggs criticizes Eddie Jackson's tackling, and what does fucking uh, uh, Eddie Jackson do? He goes hunting for old tweets about Lance Briggs, and he brings up a pro football focus tweet saying that Lance Briggs was a terrible tackler the last three years, according to the data. It's like, what the fuck are you doing? You should be on your knees praying to God for the courage to go out there and tackle like a Chicago bear, not fucking looking for tweets. I agree with you. Lance Briggs may not make the Hall of Fame, but he's one of these guys that's at least going to be in the conversation, you know, mm-hmm. a number of times where he's going to make a cut, a certain cut, and maybe he doesn't go over, but Eddie Jackson will never, ever, ever be within that speaking distance or however you want to depict it. He'll never be discussed for Hall of Fame. So to go after Lance Briggs is quite egregious. Let's just say it. Yeah, it's it's so it's so stupid. I mean, it, and so um, I wonder, you know, if this attitude is permeating, whether Gibson, who's a, who's a veteran, he's older than Eddie Jackson. If anything, he should be, you know, uh, influencing him in a positive way. It, it, but it, is this potential, even if it's not now, but could it potentially impact some of the young players, the Kindle Wilders, the Duke Shelleys and so forth? I mean, he's telling them in practice, anybody can tackle. You just got to get the ball. Bullshit. You can't fucking tackle, dude. I swear to you, I would start DHC and Deion Bush. Is it really that big of a fall off? Well, I mean, D- Bush point- is injured now. Yeah, I think he might be out for the season. That's another. I didn't know that. Yeah. I, I somehow missed that. Late but, breaking but, news. Yeah. Or either way, DHC like deserves an opportunity. He's our draft pick. And these guys have played themselves out of the lineup. At some point, you have to bring the hammer down and show people 
if you're playing poorly, you can be replaced, and that lights a fire into people as well. Mm -hmm. Yep, exactly. So there's, you know, it, it's weird. You know, last week I was hoping – I wasn't convinced at all that the Bears were going to win, but I was hoping. I'm a fan. I wanted them to win. I want them to turn this thing around. So a lot of my comments were based on fandom. But the reality of the situation, Dan, you and I were there for the Lions game. I I think while the Bears played a good game in, in just about every facet of the game, but one big reason why the Bears won is because the Lions suck so fucking bad. Their coach made bad decisions. The players made some bad, uh, uh, executed some bad things. And then the week before, or the week afterwards with the Raiders, the, the same fucking thing. The Raiders weren't 100% there. And, you know, Darren Waller, you know, here's a guy that, and you can credit some of the Bears defense for shutting down Darren Waller, but there, there was there was some shit going on with the Raiders there. That was not the team that won this past week and the, and the team that won the week prior. So I'm thinking to myself, all right, so maybe these two wins against these two, one bad team and one average team, or slightly better than average, maybe that we, you know, we lucked out on those two wins and that the real team is somewhere between the Browns loss and the Packers loss. Because in my mind, that team in Cleveland that Dan and I watched with our very own eyes, they beat the fuck out of the Bears. Even though we were in it, they, they just beat the shit out of us. And they and they what I want to say is they are a better team than the Packers. And so I, I'm just worried that this team is is in for a long haul. They they might have their franchise quarterback, but they won't have much else. After that, they won't have receivers. They won't have offensive line. They won't have anything. I'm literally crying. <laughs> the Bears are potentially better than what you were saying there because I thought that they really were tough against Oakland, or I'm sorry, Las Vegas. Now, mm -hmm. uh, really were physical, and I think they kind of earned that game. And uh, yeah, although I said last week, you know, the Raiders dropped some passes and stuff, and that never happens against Green Bay. Never. Mm -hmm. They always take advantage of any mental mistakes that the Bears uh, uh, manifest. I still think that the Bears, I mean, they had a shot. Mm -hmm. The thing that I would like to ask Nagy, so the overwhelming majority of the time, whether and he would probably be like, well, it's Bill Lazor calling plays, not me. Don't blame me. But the overwhelming majority of the time, we're critical of him having the receivers run really short, shallow crosses and, and not going deep. So late in the game, when you're down 10 and all you need is like three yards, like just don't fuck this up. Mm -hmm. Yep. You bring Santos out and you got 24-17 and you're kicking off and you're asking your defense just to get us, just get us the ball back. Then why is everybody running deep right there? Why at the the one time that the, the intelligent play would be to run a three or four yard out, do you send everyone on streaks? Mm -hmm. Like everybody's going deep. And I know you can say, well, Fields is holding the ball too long. But the fact that he got sacked two times on that possession is a reflection of the fucking play call, too. Absolutely like, 100%. Yeah, give him somebody to throw short to. Like, where, where is uh, Cole Komet there? Mm -hmm. You know, or fuck, leave Holtz. And I don't even know if Holtz was active because, again, I was in the car. Somebody like Holtz. Uh, that could be in blocking, but just suddenly drop off and catch a screen pass. Like the thing is just don't get sacked here and we can bring Cairo out. And, and, and in theory, we can get three right here 
and that keeps us alive. Just don't fuck that up. Because I think they had first and 10 at like the Green Bay 32. Mm -hmm. And when they punt or they go for it, I'm sorry, they go for it on fourth and 26, it's at midfield. Mm -hmm. Like, what are you doing, man? Just don't <laughs> fuck this up. There are a couple possessions like that. One in the first half, too, where you're like, well, we're going to get at least an, an opportunity for a field goal. And then the play calling like took us out of it. And uh, someone said, uh, one of the callers on the uh, Hampton OB show suggested that they thought that, uh, again, that Nagy took over the play calling this week. Mm -hmm. Who who would be surprised? Honestly, yeah. I don't. I, I frankly, I don't think so. But I do think that he has a lot of influence on on the whole scheme, and and you know he can veto a play call or he can suggest a play call. But I think the, for the majority of it, it was probably laser. I I, I that's just a, a gut feel, but I could be totally wrong. This guy could be lying to us. He could, you know, he could be a lot of people in the chat room have called him a snake oil salesman. I would agree with that. Uh, Say that again. Uh, I, like that. I like that depiction. I like it. The snake mm -hmm. oil salesman. Yep. Yep. See this uh, quote up there. Mm -hmm. it lasts, this is, go ahead. Please read that. Yeah. All the mistakes by the bear. This is exactly what I was about to say. All the mistakes by the bears, penalties, drop passes, missed tackles. That's all coaching. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is what happens when you get four years into a regime and players start to tune out the head coach. Mm -hmm. You have to get rid of Nagy, you know, if you want to, if you want to grow, I mean, and do it soon because you got a young quarterback that could really be something, but players like Eddie Jackson, get rid of him. Yeah, the Bears haven't invested in the secondary. I mean, yeah, they picked Jalen Johnson. Then they had the undrafted Kendall Vilder. Fine. Those two guys can play. The safety was, position. Uh... Vilder was a fifth or sixth round draft. Was he? Okay. Uh, they've invested in cornerback a little bit. Safety, you know, uh, Ryan Pace is good at finding these late round draft picks. It's the first and second rounders that are really more missed than hit. Mm -hmm. You know, and that, that that falls on Ryan Pace, of course. But uh, the, the the secondary, imagine what a, sa a safety like Jamal Adams could do in this defense. We mm -hmm. watched, uh, if you, anybody watched the Pittsburgh and Seattle game, the only guy making plays on the Seattle defense was Jamal Adams. It was he was the only reason why that game was even close. I mean, they didn't have Russell Wilson playing on offense, you know. And and, and that just reminds me, you know, about Ryan Pace. And I, I know sometimes I've asked late and give him credit. He has picked some good players, but overall, I don't think he he has the same problem that Matt Nagy has when he's calling plays. He doesn't know how to build a team. He doesn't have a vision. He doesn't. He, he hasn't been working on that same vision from day one. His vision has changed. He's adapted. He's changed. He's flipped. He's flopped and so forth. And that's that doesn't work in the NFL. I'm not saying you don't adjust, but he never came in with a vision that made sense. You know, he should have, as the general manager of this team, he should have figured out a way to get rid of Jay Cutler in that contract. And even if you had to eat 50% of it, 60% of it. He had to come in and find a young quarterback to build around. And if he couldn't do it in the first year, he had to do it by the second year. And to join that quarterback at the hip with a Siamese coach, someone who was going to tutor him, bring him along. And it doesn't necessarily have to be an offensive coach, but at least a defensive coach that would have the respect of that quarterback and, and then build something special. 
Um, and Ryan Pace ha has a lot of the blame here. I mean, he hired Matt Nagy. You know, he actually sat in an interview. Matt Nagy was probably wearing his visor, and he asked questions, and he probably got responses like, well, you, that all depends on the why. That all depends about, you know, all those fucking cliches that we've been hearing about from for the last several years. Ryan Pace sat through dinner with him twice and heard all that shit and said, that's my guy. Ryan Pace, you're the fucking problem. Yep. <laughs> I mean, come on. Nebulous <laughs> comments. I want to agree with something too said and take it farther about Nagy being the problem. I think that that's like, let's say, and this is a worst case scenario, and I don't want to write off Sunday because I we beat Tampa last year, and I'd I'd love for them to get fired up and, and come together as a team and pull off the upset this week. But let's say conventional wisdom uh, comes into fruition and we're rolled, like Tampa's been blowing everybody out, right? Mm -hmm. So let's say the Bears lose forty to ten or just some horrific fucking fashion, and uh, it's down there. Things can get away. We've gotten blown out down there several times in the last five to 10 years. Mm -hmm. So let's say that would happen. Like, I think the best thing would do with seriously would be to cut Nagy. Now the reason why uh, I'm not just saying that like, you know, all a cavalier, like, you know, like, Oh, just because I don't like it. No, because maybe just maybe if you hire, whether it's uh flip or, uh, or laser or whomever, you can see if we can keep this system in place with one of those guys, Mm -hmm. With fields the rest of the way, in theory, if it works out, then you don't have to change the offense in the offseason, which would behoove fields to be in the same place, you know, running the same offense for his second year and his third year, which is what Rodgers has been afforded the whole time he's been in Green Bay. Conversely, you don't want fields to certainly to suddenly be Jay Cutler, where you're switching offenses and coordinators and coaches all the time on it. So if you get rid of Nagy now, and see what you have with Bill Lazor, and maybe that's something, and maybe you can keep them two, those two guys together into year two, because as we all know, it certainly appears that the Bears are not going to go farther with Nagy, and I don't mean to give you double talk, because I'm rooting for Nagy only because of the visor that he's wearing is a Bears visor, <laughs> and I want to win. I tell you, I if you get rid of Nagy, uh, you'll know you'll know for sure it's Bill Lazor calling the plays. Then, if, he, if Nagy's gone, I tell you, there was a, the shovel pass on the goal line to Cole Komet that had to be Nagy. That was a dumbass play. Cole Komet's like stiff and slow. <laughs> then you saw Green Bay ran the exact same play, but with Alan Lazard, and they got the yeah. touchdown. You know, it was like throwing it in Nagy's face. But mm -hmm. uh, yeah, you cut Nagy. You cut. I'm, I'm, I agree with Dan. Get rid of Nagy now. The players have tuned him out. You've got a you've got a guy who was a head coach in the NFL sitting in this in the staff right now, Doug Marone, I think. Right? Is that right? Yep. Doug Marone is on the staff. He's be, even if he's the head coach for the last eleven games. You know, no, you're, you're, not you're talking about Petten, Mike Petten. Yeah, Mike Petten. Sorry. Yeah. Mike yeah. Mike Petten has been a head coach in the NFL. I think. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know. I, has well, he been a head coach? Yeah, I think with the Jaguars. With the Jaguars. Jaguars or Browns or something like that. Browns. So, he was in Cleveland. He was head coach with the Browns. Uh, uh, he, he, for 11 games, fine. And then, and then start your search, you know, shortly before the end of the season. Mm -hmm. But the the, uh, the snake oil sales, uh, salesman comment sticks because Nagy's able to say things that sound like they make really good sense. 
you know, and, and George McCaskey and Ted Phillips don't know enough about football. They think it's great. Wow. This guy really knows what he's talking about, but he, he doesn't, you know, it's his play calling is horseshit. The only reason, uh, uh, the the Bears were able to move the ball in the in the game against the Raiders is because Bill Lazor was was called called a good game, mm-hmm. you know. And, and like uh, I saw a comment in the chat room, I don't know if I threw it up there, but uh, the Bears I don't think the have the Bears scored more than twenty one points in a game this season. No, I I guess not. <laughs> I mean, so I mean, you hired Matt Nagy to be an offensive, you know, uh, uh, coach, you know, offensive minded coach. He hit. His offense has been consistently ranked in the bottom third of the league year mm-hmm. after year. It just hasn't worked. You know, it's just you just need Bears management to figure out that it's not working. That's all. Right. Or was that that? I think we had 27 against Detroit, right? Uh, that is right. That is right. That, okay. So one time, yeah. out of six, <laughs> yeah. scored more than 21 points. I also want to add but, uh, the uh, – I lost my, my train of thought of what Tooch was, was saying there. Shit. Uh, regarding scoring points, regarding before that it was before that uh, when he when get rid he of Matt Nagy. Well, yeah, of course it was a Matt Nagy, but there was something on the lines of being a oh oh okay uh, the the snake oil salesman thing. But the the thing about that, I honestly believe, and I could be wrong, but I honestly believe above all, Virginia and George are both love they love the chicago bears mm-hmm. we may not like how Absolutely. they manage the store so to speak and maybe we think that they're the ones running it in the ground <laughs> they, but they care mm-hmm. we're not talking about somebody that, that just wants to turn a profit and that they're happy with it i don't believe that they are like that i really don't so to me when george mccaskey and virginia mccaskey are at the game and you know they were there if that game would have been in green bay they would have been there they the, she goes to every game so when rogers does that to the fans in our stadium, that stings. That stings George McCaskey. That's one of those, oh, my grandmother's pissed off kind of comments like I think we could possibly hear at the end of the season. So like I said, to I'm going back an hour or two now or whatever, I honestly believe that's the beginning of the end for Nagy because that matters to George McCaskey. That, that's a stab in his heart too because he's a fan just yeah. like we are. Yeah, I think we're still a long way from um, uh, getting the ownership of this organization to think about hiring and firing. They may, you know, obviously it's going to pop into their minds, but they're going to wait to see what happens with Justin Fields. I talked about this before. If Justin Fields starts playing well, you know, maybe after the break, he starts looking like, okay, this guy is looking like the Ohio State Justin Fields. He's running for yards, picking up 50, 60 yards a game running. He's throwing long missile touchdowns. He's sharp on the intermediate passes. He's just got it all going on. If that's how what he looks like after the break at some point, Matt Nagy is going to be back here. I don't care if he's still saying the whys or the bullshit. I don't care what the fans are saying. The Bears organization won't get rid of him, and they won't get rid of Ryan Pace. That's my gut feel on that. So we still have a lot to play out. One of the things that I was thinking about this morning is, you know, we 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 fans, and when I say we, I mean me. I mean, from week to week, my fucking opinion is changing that shit. You know, one week, one week I got them going to the Super Bowl, one week I got them going to hell and stuff. And so we gotta we gotta 
you know, take a more macro look at this older again. <laughs> you go, teach has got the chart up, lose an embarrassing fashion, call Matt Nagy to get fired, call for Matt Nagy to get fired, beat up a bad team, and now <laughs> Matt Nagy keeps his job because he beats a bad team. Well, and that won't happen until the Steelers on Monday night, right? Dude, that's, so, that's where we are. are. <laughs> so well, I mean, how would that make you feel if Matt Nagy was back next year? We go, we go eight and nine. How would that make you guys feel? Really? Another year of despair. Yeah, frankly, I can't I, take it. Yeah, yeah. Bertrand says, although that's like betting on Nagy being a great offensive coordinator. Yeah, and that's not what he is. He, he is definitely not that. My preference at this point, I've seen enough. Blow it all up. Come the bye week, you know, I would be calling Mayflower now, you know, the moving company, and I'll say, hey, uh, what's that date on our bye week? Yeah, get the trucks ready because <laughs> we're going to be moving a lot of shit out. <laughs> Uh, so he's got to go. He's got to go by the bye week and just start fucking over. Give the team to Mike Patton or Sean Desai because uh, that's the other thing I'm, aw- I'm afraid of. We'll get a new head coach. All of a sudden, this Sean Desai guy who's looking like a the next genius on defense, we might lose him. So <laughs> Jesus Christ. That's how you give the team to Mike Patton. They might actually start a little, uh, little win streak. Just re- re-energized, you know, with uh, mm-hmm. a fiery head coach uh, that knows what he's doing. I believe that this is a turning point for either the favorability of keeping him that they rally around this point, or this is the start of where they slide and lose like five out of six. Mm. I think that this is Sunday was the turning point for his tenure as coach. I think this will be the moment we look at. It's a solo toot show. Welcome to the solo toot show here. Uh, I hear what Dan's saying for sure. This is a, a turning point, you know, and probably not for the best. Uh, <laughs> I was I was doing a little solo there, Riff, uh, but uh, I hear what Dan's saying. You know, this is probably a little turning point. We lost to the Packers. Yes, we're playing Tom Brady next next week. I mean, the only question really next week is will the Bears cover the spread? In my opinion. That's, they're not winning the game. Yeah, go ahead, you know? Before we get away from the Green Bay game, there's always a couple of calls, and maybe you can call this me whining, but okay, I'll loan it. There's always a couple of, like, you know, moments where it's like, God, if we – this only happens with Green Bay. Like, for example, there was a sequence early in the game. They throw a flag on Mario Edwards, right? They call him for taunting. But what happens? Aaron Rodgers is holding Mario Edwards' face mask and pulling him to the ground. So Edwards shoves him off, and they throw the flag on Edwards. And everybody's like, oh, that's that's him again being undisciplined. Rodgers is pulling his fucking face mask. It should have been a 15-yard penalty. Furthermore, it should have been a taunting penalty when he was down in the end zone talking shit. They don't talk about that. How about the sequence late in the game when the referee's standing there and Justin Fields is calling for timeout, and they don't give it to him when he's calling for fucking timeout, like right in front of the official, and they call a delay a game on the Bears. That only happens against Green Bay. And it's not just us. How many times in the last few years have we seen, like, Detroit get cheated by them on Monday night, too? Like, two, there's been two Lions games that I can – I don't remember the exact sequences where the Lions had them beat and the officials helped them win. 
It's just like they, they're like the the fucking like the team that the NFL worships or something. They so desperately want Aaron Rodgers in the Super Bowl again, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, all those things always happen. Uh, okay, another play. Remember it, the Packers were driving? I don't remember. Uh, it was late, I'm pretty sure, the second half. And they, they lost yardage. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I didn't get this from the radio broadcast. I saw this on the, the TV copy. When the guy with Gre and Greg Olson, I don't know the other guy's name, that he was okay. Yeah, I thought but, he was good. Yeah, I just don't I don't know who he is. But anyway, Joe Davis. Uh, Joe Davis. The Packers running back loses yardage. Or at worst case scenario, you give him oh uh, you know, forward progress and there's a no gain. And they just simply give Green Bay the first down, and that's that. Oh my I, Dan, I got like 40 million views. I I I, I shot it with my iPhone and posted it on TV and, and it's just been trending because I could not fucking believe my eyes. He yeah. he I don't think he made it back to the line of scrimmage much less much less get the the first down on that uh, third and one. It was unbelievable. That happens every time we play them. There's always a handful of these calls that on their face if you isolate one of them it doesn't really look like it's that significant. But when you add like five of them up every game, every game, mm -hmm. it, well, it's just they always get everything handed to them. Yeah, it, it, but I, I think NFL officiating is terrible across the league. You know, Brad Rogers is the name of the referee who headed the crew that was at uh, uh, Soldier Field this past week. Brad Rogers was just promoted to referee, uh, I think, within the last year. Um, this is his fifth year in the NFL. What's he do 40 hours a week? He's a college professor. And so we're always going to have this problem with NFL officiating until the league decides we're going to pay these guys. A referee makes a half a million dollars a year. He doesn't need another fucking job. He, what, what he does during the week is he's studying film. He's studying tendencies. They're taking quizzes on that fucking 5,000-page rule book. They are totally dedicated to improving and having the best officiating crew in the entire fucking world. That includes soccer, rugby, whatever the fuck they play in other countries. The, this official, the officials from the NFL, the, the, the league that makes the most money in the world, probably with the exception of European soccer, but these guys need to fucking dedicate themselves to being the best at what they do. And that starts first with the NFL hiring full-time officials. Secondly, establishing a replay system and a video system that is prioritized solely on making plays, not relying on the cameras at CBS, NBC, ESPN, all those fucking places that are paying you to televise the games, you're relying on them to help you with the officiating. But on some games they got some games they got 15 cameras, and some games they got 50 cameras. Well, how well, how is that even? How is that 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 consistent officiating when one game has more replay cameras than others? It's it's fucked up. It's fucked up, and it's one of the yeah, reasons yeah. sometimes I I you know the Bears can continue to lose every fucking game. I'm still going to be rooting for them. But the one thing that really pisses me off and makes me want to think about walking away from the NFL is the NFL, because of the way they fucking uh, uh, invest money or don't invest money into one of the most important aspects of the game, and that's officiating. 
You know, the, the one more play I wanted to pitch about. We, now, we overcame this as a team, uh, but the touchdown that Khalil Herbert had late in the game that ultimately ended up being the touchdown from Fields to Mooney because he got uh, called back because of a bullshit holding call on Sam Mustafer that was absolutely ridiculous. There was no holding on that play from my vantage point whatsoever. And uh, if I recall correctly, the broadcast team said so as well. And I don't mean, uh, you know, Jeff Joniak. I mean the fucking Fox TV team. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 (laughs) <laughs> of officiating I've seen in all the years I've watched the NFL. And, and I'll tell you, although what you're saying makes a, a ton of sense, probably too much sense, but uh, uh, officiating should be regulated, normalized across the league to make the game more fair, you know, because of the advent of, of uh, legalized sports gambling, you know, uh, sweeping across this country and even offshore. Uh, the point. NFL, uh, The NFL needs – to get this under control so that people are, you know, it, it, it doesn't look good when it, when a, a game is decided by a referee and people are wagering on the sport. It just, it just looks terrible. I mean, you have all this technology, all this technology of all these cameras. There's no reason why plays can't be uh, uh, overturned. You've got, uh, of course, it's up to the coach. Like, Nate, you're going to throw a challenge flag a few times, and he didn't. Mm-hmm. Which makes me wonder if he was calling plays, you know. He's got to stop the play calling, be the head coach, manage the game, throw the red flag when you have to. I mean, you're costing your team wins. I mean, the Bears did have a chance to win this game. I I bet Bears first half plus three and a half points. I won that bet. You know, because I thought the Bears would come out fired up. I didn't think they they they'd win the game. You know, but uh, I didn't expect them to lose by ten. Mm-hmm. You know, I thought it would be more like six or seven, but the second half, you know, they did not adjust at all. Yeah, yeah, well, and what adjustments they did make worked against them, you know, Um, and so because they come out with this fucking sensational uh, first drive on offense. The first series on defense, they did well. Rodgers picked up a first down on a scramble. They got a couple of first downs on that first series, but they locked it down by the time they got to midfield. And then the Bears took that ball. What was it? 80 yards on their first series. It was a beautiful fucking first drive. Um, uh, uh, fields looked great. Everything was fucking fantastic. And then all of a sudden there's, there's like this, Dan like, likes to use the word siesta that the Bears defense goes into siesta. No, this time it was the offense. They went into fucking siesta. Well, let, let's take a nap. <laughs> what was that, Dan? I stole siesta from John Fox. Just oh, to be- that's right. That's right. Hey, by the way, Dan, I wanted to share something with you. Um, that is, you have been making the argument for a long time that um, Khalil Mack's level of play has uh, has deteriorated the last two years. Is that is that a fair uh, assessment of what your thoughts? Yeah, but I mean, to be fair, although if you're going to go to the point, like where was he? On, on in the critical moments this week, but to be fair, he's having a phenomenal yeah. year. Yeah, and the, well, let, let me let me continue because I think this is going to help your argument. Um, this is the linebackers coach on Mondays. The position coaches talk to reporters, and I got to start paying more attention because those can be fucking gems. Those are the guys who are the absolute closest to the players. Some of those guys are like laser. They they speak honestly and listen to what. The linebackers coach, Bill Shuey, said about Khalil Mack. 
He said he's always diligent in his preparation, but he understands that when he's fighting through something and he's not going to be able to take the reps in practice, he knows to put in a little extra time. He's got to look at things a little bit differently. And quite honestly, he's got to make sure he's taking mental reps, which is not something that he normally does a lot. So, Evidence there, Dan, to to support your theory that the last two years, Kilo Mack was not playing up to expectations, not playing to the level, and it was perhaps, of course, the injuries had something to do with it, but there's ways to prepare yourself when you're injured, and one of the greatest things you can do is visualization, taking, taking mental reps, and his outside linebackers coach just said he has not been doing that the last couple of years this year he's doing it that's a big that's a big fucking point there with and that I, I, I call it a show <laughs> i agree it, that's a great point and just to defend mac it, it helps him when robert quinn is also having a phenomenal year as well we can only hope because uh, allegedly he's vaccinated so despite the fact that he's been put on the COVID list on Monday, there's still a chance by the end of the week, maybe he can play in Tampa. Yeah. Uh, given that he's allegedly vaccinated. Yeah. And I, I'm guessing now, given that nothing has changed with Damian Williams, that he's not vaccinated. So that's why he's got to have to wait for 10 days at least uh, before he can potentially come back. So he's probably going to miss next week's game too. Uh, to, to be fair, Mac and, and uh, Akeem Hicks are fighting through some injuries. I mean, it isn't a secret. Oh yeah, uh, both both guys are, are are really banged up. I mean, they they fought through injuries to play in this Packers game. Both of them had a sack. Mm-hmm. So uh, uh, Hicks got hurt again. Hicks is hurt again. He had a, a groin uh, injury, I think. But uh, I mean that that's going to hamper your production production a little bit. A groin injury. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I I got to tell you, man. The level of frustration that I'm feeling right now in my life, my sex life, <laughs> play some music for me, John. <laughs> so, it's, off, man. It, uh, it's just the humiliation. That's what bothers me the fucking most. If, yeah. You know, I still would have been down in the dumps if we lose that game, you know, uh, by whatever score, 24 to 14 or 17 to 14. Should have been 17 to 14. Um, but again, the defense went on siesta. <laughs> um, and but the the fucking rubbing it in my face, I took it personal when fucking Aaron Rodgers. First of all, I hate the fucking discount championship belt, whatever the fuck you want to call them. If I was the marketing director for State Farm, I would do a commercial where somebody smacks the shit out of Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> Thank you. All right, cut it out. <laughs> but, you know, I'm just down in the dumps because Aaron Rodgers, you know, just fucking called, told me that that he owns me. And I know he doesn't, Chubbs, but he owns me. He told me he did, and I'm, I can't punch him. So that's why I'm mad. <laughs> yeah, the humiliation was the salt in the wounds, you know, really because uh, we don't need Aaron Rodgers to tell us that. And you know, I, we, we all hated seeing him actually tell us. Yes. <laughs> that's that's what bugs everybody this uh. week. But, but I mean, yeah, we I think we knew we knew that the Bears weren't going anywhere. 
You know, uh, are they maybe the second best team in this division? Probably, possibly. Their de- defense is sure playing, you know, top five. Uh, but uh, I think I saw a, a, a comment in the chat room that the defense has been winning the games. That's probably pretty true. Yeah, you know the sure reason why they're winning games, they're able. But the, but I mean, they're they're not putting up points, you know, like they should be to to become one of those top echelon teams, like teams mm-hmm. that put up put up you know uh, uh, four touchdowns a game, uh, and then also have a good defense like what you're seeing in Arizona or Buffalo. Uh, uh, those teams, you know, they they are able to ascend to that upper tier, you know, and the, things have to change around Alice Hall. I think. I think it's coaching. I, I, you said you've seen enough. I saw enough after two years. You know, I knew the guy was a fraud. He, he got relieved of duties in Kansas City of calling plays. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, how he, he got. Sorry, you can't. You can't bring Ryan Pace back. I mean, you can't right, say, "Okay, point. Ryan, hire another fucking coach and let's start over again." No. I saw that question on Twitter. Are the two inseparable? Yeah, or yeah are they, they, are they separable? Are or? Twins. Yeah, they're they're fucking. They're linked at the head, the shoulders, the hips. Their penises are tied together. They're fucking. They're they came in together. They didn't really Is come it in time together. Time for Dan's sex life. Penis <laughs> is tied together. <laughs> ben, you ever had your penis t- tied up? Do you have one of those long penises where? Yeah, did you ever see that penis puppet theater thing that happens in New York? Puppetry of the penis. Yeah. <laughs> Puppetry of the penis. Yeah. He can fold the penis up. Dan, are you still there? I'm here. I no, I'm okay on on length. I'm you know, I'm I'm way better on width. Oh, he's he's a Coca-Cola can guy. <laughs> and that's why you drink all these cokes, huh? <laughs> uh what's been going on with your sex life? People want to know. I haven't been late in a while now, but I mean I've just been at work or on these trips, so uh I probably need some, but I, like I said, after that game, I mean I probably don't deserve it. Like none of the Bears deserve it. <laughs> you think the Bears players' wives are holding out on sex with the players? because <laughs> no, they got paid on Tuesday. <laughs> I Mrs. Nagy should be holding out. No, I, I better stay away from that. I apologize, Mrs. Nagy. But I, I, I don't know, man. What do you guys want to talk about? I want to talk movies. Should we fucking let's not talk politics? Whatever we do. <laughs> I don't want to be divisive either. I, I still, I, but I, just to bring it full circle, everyone's pain with this Aaron Rodgers thing, it almost humors me this week because that's the way I've always felt. Like I, I felt like this didn't really make me feel any worse. It's just like, ah, you know, okay. They just put a little bit more icing on the cake. I'm surprised though, Dan, I, I, me and a bunch of people in the chat room really thought that you were going to come on here and fire on Aaron Rodgers, and John is pointing at himself. He's done this to us over and over and over. Like, this isn't a surprise. And, like, I'm hoping that the team can rally around this and say, look at this this scumbag, this arrogant fucking narcissist shitting all over you. Like, what are you going to do about it? Mm-hmm. Hope they can use it as a motivational tactic to do some good with it, as opposed to just sitting around and saying, well, we don't really care, you know, he – he was in his own and, and didn't know what he was saying or whatever the fuck, man. Like, let's turn it into a positive. That's what I hope can happen. I, and I hope too. I'm usually a glass half full kind of guy, but right now, I, you know, I look at this team and I say, I'm sorry, go ahead. 
I'm empty. I'm sorry. I just want to say this is empty. I've been so empty with because of him for so long mm-hmm. that it just continually, this is my emotion, like just doesn't, you know, it just doesn't register because I was already in the dumps because of him. Yeah. Laz, Laz. Dan, Dan's joined us. Dan, Dan joined the cycle of Bears life. Laz says, Dan's right. The season just made a turn for the bad. I can see a typical six-game losing streak coming like the last two seasons. Yeah, you know, and, and but the, the thing is when There's you got to be a Lions game in there somewhere. <laughs> yeah, there is. It, just the, get the, done. <laughs> I'm hoping I'm, I'm hoping that we can beat the Steelers on Monday night. Dan's going to be there, so that's good luck. He's got a one-game winning streak at games that he attends. I will not be wearing a jersey to try to, uh, again, keep that going. Because you did not wear a jersey at the Lions game that you and I were at, so that's the theory, huh? Right, and they're zero and four when I'm in attendance wearing a jersey, and they're one and zero when I don't wear a jersey. Mm-hmm. So, I won't I won't be wearing a jersey, and hopefully uh, the Bears can win. But even though the Bears have won their last three against Pittsburgh, they've won a couple in a row. So by the time we play them, they could be on even more of a winning streak. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I gotta go. I'm gonna try not to go on a rant because I know I look stupid when I do. But when when Dan talks about hopefully this is going to be a turning point for the positive. I, I want to believe that too. But I, and then again, I'm seeing in the chat room, people talking about, you know, there's some talent on this roster. There is, and all that is true. But the bigger picture tells me that we have a safety who doesn't want to tackle and he's never going to tackle again. He's got to go his cohort, the other safety, he's got to go too. You know, uh, he's he's drifted around the league for a long time. So we don't really have two starting safeties. Deion Bush is now hurt for the season. DeAndre Houston plays well, but he's not a starting safety. He's a dime defensive back. He makes plays when he's out there with a bunch of other defensive backs. So that's one problem. Another problem is the aging defenders. Akeem Hicks. I don't know if he's going to play another game. Kill Mack. He could never play another game because he's always banged up. We know what happens with Khalil Mack. We saw Robert Quinn last year disappeared for 16 games. So I'm worried about those those aging players. And then on the offense, we know the problems on the offense. As long as Matt Nagy is anywhere within farting sound distance, it's fucked up. It's going to smell. It's going to be awful. So this team is in disarray. They f- have transferred $30 million in salary into the future. So that's going to hurt with free agency acquisitions. You don't have a number one draft pick next season. You, you, can't, you can't say that, okay, well, on the second round, Ryan Pace is going to make a great decision. Well, Adam Shaheen, Exhibit A. You know, so yes, he had two good, or hopefully two good draft picks in Cole Komet and Jalen Johnson. I still have hope that Cole Komet is going to be okay, but there's just so many fucking red flags that tell me we're in for a long haul of misery. You know, I am, I am so lucky. Uh, one of the rooms that Dan did not get a chance to see at uh, when he came over to my house was my library. I've got about a, a thousand books in there. I'm going to fucking be doing a lot of reading while the games are on because there's going to be nothing to look at on the screen. Just to start Wheel of Time. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. How many pages is that book? It's John? over a million words. Oh, my God. 
so Dan, I, I hate to burst your bubble, but I, I'm just going. I'm going through a, a dark period right now in my life. <laughs> well, no, I agree with everything you're saying, but that all of that could be deduced of to say that this is a reason to get rid of the coach and the general manager. Right. And I think again, my thesis tonight is the catalyst of that can be this embarrassment that Rogers has inflicted on the entire organization and the city and everyone associated with the bears. Mm. Now. Yeah. So the thing today, PJ just says, um, I'm sorry to get that one off. Uh, we'll bring it back. PJ says this team is not attractive to future possible coaches and GMs. Uh, I, I don't agree with that. Now, I don't agree with that either, PJ, because if you bring in a general manager and say, hey, I'm sorry, car's not running well. You got four flat tires. The engine needs an overhaul. <laughs> the interior, oh, my gosh, you got really, to really work on that interior. But it's all yours, and people love this car fix yeah. it up and make it run and if you make it run you're a king you're yeah. a king if you make it run in the city exactly here's a nice big fat paycheck to help you get it yeah. running and get your get your ass into the into thinking of what's your vision first that's how i always start a conversation with anybody who is going to be coaching or a general manager what's your vision for this team and they better fucking talk about bringing back bare football, hard-hitting, hard-nosed, innovative football. We fucking came up with the T formation. We came up with film to review plays. We came up with all of this shit that has helped make the NFL great. So it's bare football, tackling, playing hard, playing playing clean but hard, uh, innovation, and, and, and just a fucking fire-breathing attitude that's going to fire all of us up and give us real hope as opposed to the bullshit snake oil salesman hope that we've been fed the last three, four years. I like it. I quit. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Hey, uh, I got to take a little whiz, but I'm going to leave you, Dan, in good hands. John Santucci is here, and I know you guys are going to talk about, I don't know, sex, drugs, rock and roll. Uh, yeah, all of that. <laughs> all right. Take it over, guys. Uh, uh, that were, you know, let's talk about the bright spots, Dan, because I, I expected you to come out here. I thought, man, Dan, the, the whole Aaron Rodgers, I own you stuff is going to either make Dan really depressed or make Dan really angry. And your reaction was like completely different. So, I mean, you, you're probably in the same space as I am. You've had enough of this Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace regime. You've seen enough. You know, I, I, I was like that after after the uh, year two, I wanted them all gone. So now it's really just, it's like torture for me watching these two guys mess everything up, you know, but uh, there were some bright spots. I mean, Khalil Herbert looks like a keeper, right? right. The guy, kid ran hard. You know, he was able to, to find the right hole, hit the hole hard and really had some great moves, man. Just change the direction was really great. You love to see that. And uh, 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 the, the cornerbacks were okay. I mean, Devontae Adams didn't have that big of a day. Jalen Johnson, I thought, did an admirable job on him. The cornerbacks are are okay. Maybe they've been helped by a good pass rush. The Bears have had one of the past, best pass rushes this season uh, in the NFL. But like we said, the secondary, especially the safeties, God, like the safeties are probably two of the worst in the NFL. Uh, and their attitude is shit. Uh, and, and PJ says that we, we don't have cap space, you know, no draft picks, ugly, ugly uh, contracts. But I mean, that could be 
all those guys can be cut and you could take a big hit one year. Yeah, we'll suck for one year uh, and then start the cycle again. But that's how it's done in the NFL. You know, that's that's the way – look at Jacksonville. They had to bottom out. Now they've got Trevor Lawrence, the high draft picks. Uh, do they suck this year right now? Yeah. But uh, you, you don't uh, – Fields can correct a lot of that shit with just his dynamic play. You know, yep. we're not seeing it so much yet, but he started, what, four games. So give him time. Yeah. I agree. Fields is a bright spot. We've had – We've had a uh, uh, talent at the quarterback position. We just didn't have coaching that could really take advantage of it. I mean, Cutler was a pretty good quarterback. But he had a new coach every year, a new offensive coordinator every year, you know, and we didn't build around him like we should have. So I don't know. Uh, uh, I, I don't know why that is, why they didn't build a, a team around it, give him a good offensive line, give him time to throw and all that. But uh, uh, that's been a big problem. Uh, with the people who are making Bears picks. I think Ryan Pace, Aldo was saying earlier, Ryan Pace is one of those guys that falls in love with these athletes, like guys that can jump straight out of a pool and land on the edge of the pool. You know, I don't know if you remember Jerron Gilbert. That was his claim to fame, was that he could jump out of a pool. Straight out of a pool. What the That doesn't have anything to do with football. You know, draft some football players, build the trenches. And Bill Parcells used to say, you know, you build a team, by building the offensive and defensive lines. Ryan Pace. He was, I, I, he, he was a Phil Emery pick, though, wasn't he, to be fair? Jerron uh, Gilbert was Angelo. I'm pretty oh. sure it was Angelo, yeah. Yeah, Jerry Angelo was the GM. But, uh, uh, you know, the current regime for him is what I'm saying. They, yeah, a, after Jerry Angelo left, they had, they've had they had like a series of weirdos at House Hall, like Phil Emery and Mark Tressman. You know, I should have um, Greg Gabriel about Jerron Gilbert. Hopefully. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Tell him, dude, says, why did you guys pick a guy who all he could do is jump out of a pool? <laughs> uh, he might punch me, so I'll be I know. <laughs> what are you guys oh. talking about? I'm eating my uh, dessert, uh, Tres Leches. You guys ever had Tres Leches? Oh, the best. Oh, yeah. man, so good. I'd have to make it with uh, keto-friendly almond flour and, you know. Yeah, I should be too, but I'm not. <laughs> fake, uh, fake sugar. But I did find a good fake sugar if anybody has product called Swerve, man. It's really? like, yeah, keto friendly uh, sweetener I use in my coffee and stuff. They got powdered regular sugar and brown sugar. It's, it's funny. I'm When I go to a restaurant, I've got this white bag of, you know, my own sweetener for when I have my iced tea. It's like, <laughs> here's two. She's pulling out a bag of cocaine at Buffalo Wild Wings. <laughs> Dan, Dan, what's your favorite uh, dessert? I didn't notice when you, we were uh, eating together. Um, I don't know. I'm not. I don't have one that's just favorite or something. I don't eat a lot of dessert. Yeah. My oh, favorite's yeah. got to be. Uh, it, it's almost sinful creme brulee. Ooh. You know, it's like silky sinful. and you know, rich and fatty. That's <laughs> the best. Then you get fresh berries on top of that, sends it over the top. Mm-hmm. You know, caramelized. Sugar, ice—you know, like a cracked, crack it like a, a glass on the top. That's like getting, a genius. Getting hungry, uh, Dan? <laughs> no, I'm tired. Actually, I was just yawning. I had the mic off. <laughs> well, when when we called the uh, early show, I'm I'm done too. I'm tired. Someone man. here uh, agrees with me about swerve. Hey, yeah, you never know. I'm telling you, 
<laughs> I can't heard. tell the difference, man. They sell it at Walmart and uh, Hy-Vee, uh, all the grocery stores. Yeah, does it swerve. taste good? Does it, it does, man. I, I can't tell the difference. I use a, I made an apple pie with a nut crust with like all, all pecans, so it would have like like low carbs. You know, I think like a, the sugar has like maybe two, three, or four grams of carbs, if depending on how many you'd ladle into your coffee or whatever. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's good, man. Brown sugar in your coffee is nice. You're gonna have to give it a try. Yep. Dan, want to pull the plug early because I'm tired too, man. I mean, I can. We can still talk TV and stuff if you like. Though. Is Dan gonna watch uh, Dune on Thursday? What is it? Dune. No, yeah, no. I, Frank I Herbert, science fiction TV. epic. One at a time, guys. Sorry. Does Dan have? Oh. You have HBO Max, right? I do. I have HBO on my TV, so I have Max. Right, it's uh, it's at the theaters, but it's also an HBO Max. That's the uh, Dennis Villeneuve uh, science fiction epic. That David Lynch made a movie in the eighties with Sting as the bad guy. You never heard of that movie, Dan? The original Dune? No, no, I'm no. I am going to watch the uh, Halloween sequel this weekend, though, in the theater. Right. Mm. Looks good. Previews. I well, I'm sure I'll be yeah. disappointed. <laughs> I they always take my money, but I want to watch it. Jamie Lee Curtis in, in that one too. Yes. Are you Very hoping good. to see Jamie Lee Curtis naked? It? No, not anymore. She was <laughs> trading places. Uh, trading right. places. Yeah, <laughs> that, that's the motivation to have. Wasn't right. she naked in any of the Halloween movies? No. Wow, that's so, no. weird. And you're giving them as a slasher film. Yeah. Wasn't she born with uh, sex organs of both male and female? <laughs> nah, I don't believe that. Really? Okay. Is that just an internet rumor? Dan, what do you think? You know, both uh, sex organs, Dick Geron. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I kind of like Dick Geron. I mean, he was uh, entertaining, to say the least. He, uh, he was a player's coach. You know, players seemed to like him, but uh, again... That was what he was another defensive coach. You know, the Bears Bears just kept hiring these defensive guys. Wanstead, Jerron. They tried to get Dave McGinnis and Michael McCaskey F that up. But uh I we we're trying to hire these head coaches that are offensive. You know, it just hasn't worked with Mark Tressman and Matt Nagy, and they're just bad. Two when they talked about this a long time ago, probably a year ago. But what are your thoughts? Who do you think got more pussy, Mark Tressman or Dick Jerron? Dick Jerron. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, no question. <laughs> I bet Wani got a lot of ass. Wani seems like he, yeah. you know, yeah, he used that yeah, that mustache to his uh, his abilities down going down. You know, it seems like it would accentuate it. Yeah, Tressman, she- Tressman strikes me as a guy who masturbates a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Real hairy knuckles, you know, <laughs> real eyesight. <laughs> to me, he's like a guy that would be like afraid to go up and talk to a woman, you know. Like Wanstead, you can see he'll like, you know, buy him enough beers to get him home and in the sack. And and <laughs> Dick Duran probably has this like dry sense of humor that chicks would would uh, fall for <laughs> and end up in the sack with him. Yeah, I mean, Dick Duran played NFL. He's got an NFL right. model, so he's gonna he's yep. gonna get laid. I yep. bet he has a sneaky large penis for some reason. 
<laughs> first a first down penis 10 yards <laughs> be like wow dick jerome no wonder they call you dick <laughs> so, Dan's, his uh, real name is jerry <laughs> dan's uh chat room girlfriend is back although oh what, what's her name oh ash ash slashy 1313 halloween was bad oh There's, she saw the movie uh the new one okay yeah she says don't she is saying, don't go see Halloween, Dan. Come over to my house instead. Oh. I'm going to go see the movie. Like I said, I'm an idiot. <laughs> I like the, the theatrical experiences. Uh, yeah, it's been a while since I've been in the theater. I cannot wait to see a good movie in a movie theater someday, sometime. I'm going to yeah. go Matrix 4 in the theater, too. Oh, when's that coming out? December? Oh, wow. Yeah, I Matrix. think so. December 19, I think. Something like that. But that's also on HBO Max, though, too, I think. HBO Max will have that one. Are the Wachowskis uh, in the production? Yeah, I think Not so. Sure. Yeah, with the Wachow Lana and the other one. <laughs> the other one. <laughs> what are, Joel, what are movies, Joel, Lana. What are the fall movies are you uh, looking forward to? Me or Dan? Both of you guys. I'd like to see The Last Duel. What's That's that? that Ridley Scott movie with Matt Damon and Ben Affleck wrote, and uh, Matt Damon versus oh, yeah, Adam yeah, Driver, yeah, yeah. based on a true story. That looks pretty good. I still haven't seen The Green Knight though. I don't know. Did Dan see The Green Knight? What is The Green Knight? Oh, okay, it's a reimagining of the uh, epic Arthurian poem. Sir Gawain and the Green Knight. Yeah, that's by, not uh, director good. David Lowry. It's supposed to be really great. I haven't seen it though. I don't the like way. films like, like I said, like Spartacus and just you know shit like that. That's not my genre. Everyone is always saying Dan loves Spartacus movies, gladiator movies. Oh, okay. <laughs> I want what yeah. is a Dan? What's Dan Aguirre's like favorite movie that he would watch? Like no matter where. Where it is in the movie, and where, you know, if it, if it's on, he's going to keep the channel on it. I've got several like that. Uh, it's kind of hard for me. I've mentioned one on the air before. I tried to get Aldo to watch Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless yeah, Mind. Great movie. Uh, JFK, the Oliver Stone right. film. Uh, the Oliver Stone film, The Doors. Oliver Stone film, Natural Born Killers. Oliver Stone film, uh, Nixon. So uh, let's see, uh, True Romance, the Quentin Tarantino, but Tony Scott directed film. Love True Romance. I love the film Heathers with Winona Ryder and Christian Really? Slater. Fucking yeah. love Heathers. That's in my all-time top five easily. Wow. So, yeah, these are films I've seen over and over and over. And, of course, Pulp Fiction. And, and I love Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I love The Shining. I love The Shining sequel, Dr. Sleep. Yeah, I got to watch that. I was watching, uh, I don't know if you guys have ever seen or heard of Eli Roth's History of Horror. I forgot what cable channel it's in. It's now in season three. I think it's each season has like eight episodes. And they dedicate a one, one hour to talking to filmmakers, actors, film buffs about horror movies. And they have different topics. And so the three that have come out this year are... Uh, about psychics, uh, about uh, uh, zombies, and the third horror topic. I forgot what it was. 
but it's just so well done. And Eli Roth, he gets great interviews. He's got Quentin Tarantino talking about horror movies. He's got actors who have been in the horror movies that they're talking about. And it's really well done. The interviews are all shot like they're in a horror movie, beautiful lighting and stuff. Eli Roth's History of Horror, uh, I highly recommend it. Even my wife, who hates horror movies, sits through it and loves it because it's just great storytelling about these movies. They, and they usually you know, talk in depth about four or five movies. And any time Quentin Tarantino is talking about movies, I'm listening because I love the way that guy talks about films. I yeah, did you see he was on Joe Rogan? Quentin Tarantino was on Joe Rogan the other day and he was like, I'm retiring, you know, and uh, I'm doing one last film. When you know, Tarantino was saying, uh, uh, Rogan had told him, "Hey, I think that sucks that you're retiring. You know, I'm depressed about it." And, and Quentin Tarantino goes, "Hey, if you look at the history of film, you know, directors don't get better as they age; they get worse. You know, so he's like, this is the time. My last film will be me going out, you know, before that happens. But uh, yeah, Quentin Tarantino, I." He's kind of right, though. His, his movies have kind of gone down as they've, you know, the, the high was probably Pulp Fiction, you know? You think I so? think his yeah. last movie was great. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood right. was I, I love Hateful Eight, too. I mean, it was it was a little a little over I even watched the extended edition, too, but that was an excellent movie, too, as well. But the thing about Hateful Eight is that it took place basically in one room for three hours, three, four hours. You know, but it was still a good movie. But uh, Dan's Dan's getting a little uh, beat up in the chat room. His favorite movies. I'll do. I saw a horror movie last night that you probably seen. I had never watched uh, from on Turner Classic because uh, it got dead at work. You know, I did an overtime shift last night, and uh, it's from like '76 called Burnt Offerings. Oh yeah, oh, it scared the crap familiar. out of me when I was a kid with uh, uh, Oliver Reed. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, Bird the house, haunted house. Karen Black. Yeah, Karen Black and Oliver Reed. 1976. Yeah. Or, I got to yeah. check that out. Did you see it on TCM, uh, Aguirre? Yeah, I watched it last night. It's. I don't want to spoil it then. I thought it would be something you've yeah, seen yeah. before. I don't remember seeing this. You don't uh, remember that. Oliver Reed was the husband, and the, their house was like, you know, haunted, torment, tormenting. And I think he was like, it paralyzed him. He was like watching his wife or daughter drown in the pool. Is that right, Dan? If I remember from when I was a kid. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's his son, but yeah, and Betty his Davis. Son, yeah. Oh. Right. Yeah, it was scary as hell when I was a kid. Of course, now I don't know if it if it holds up. But do, do you guys watch horror movies on around Halloween? Is that like a I watch them all year round. I, I love horror movies. That's a great genre. But I mean like it's extra horror movies, like more than the usual around this time of year. No, I, I would say, go ahead, Dan. I'm sorry. I was just going to say I like horror movies all year round. But sure, if people that normally wouldn't watch them would dig some horror movies with me right now, then I'd be definitely on board. And of course, my birthday's Halloween as well. So to me, a, a good birthday, if I'm sitting around watching like six, seven horror movies and getting laid, that's a great birthday. Oh, wow. Like, what's, what's the scariest movie of all time for you both? Easily, easily for me, the scariest film that I've ever watched is because I saw it as a family. We rented it on VHS when I was four. So when you see something that young, uh, again, it just the, the thing is, even at that young of an age, I could discern that Jason wasn't real. 
or that Fred Krueger wasn't real. But that goddamn dog, that motherfucker's real. Cujo was the answer. Yeah, it's a good movie. <laughs> yeah, for, for me, it's it's either Alien, the first movie, which scared the fuck out of me. I saw it when I was 11 in 1979. And my, my uncle took me, to, me and my brother to see it. I don't, I don't think we slept for like a week after that. <laughs> and then uh, The Exorcist, you know, that was really scary. <laughs> When you're what, a kid, hey, you know, hey, Dan, people in William the Friedman. chat room want to know if you've ever had sex and the woman was wearing a Halloween mask. <laughs> no, that would be an idea. Like I saw a porn recently. I beat off to something about a week or two ago where the dude was like, you know, hammer some ass and he had the mask from Scream on in it. <laughs> <laughs> that would be kind of cool, you know, like. Uh, maybe not me wearing the mask, but the lady wearing the mask would be kind of cool, you know? Like, what kind of a mask would, would you want her to wear if you could have a choice? Hmm. Maybe the Jane Fonda Barbarella mask. <laughs> <laughs> the oh Jessica God. Rabbit mask, maybe? I don't. I didn't like who framed Roger Rabbit. I certainly wasn't attracted to that. If you want to go with animation, Kim Basinger in Cool World. Oh, yeah. Cool. Yeah. I don't know if people remember that film so much, but she was really hot in that, like even as the tune or whatever. Tooch, uh, you're more of a uh, female Bugs Bunny kind of guy, right? Je I mean, Jessica Rabbit from uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit. We already talked about that, Tooch. Where, where you been? Uh, <laughs> no, but that that is that is a uh, that is an idea. I'm gonna see if I can get my wife to wear a mask for Halloween. <laughs> Oh, Aldo, have you watched Impeachment yet? No, um, and I I probably, I don't know if I've got the time. I'm probably going to do a binge on bye week and uh, watch it. It's funny because uh, Entertainment Weekly came into my mailbox and the new issue that John Tooch worked on, and they're talking about impeachment in that issue, and I'm like, man, yeah. I, I keep forgetting to fucking catch up with this. So I'm going to probably binge it during the bye week. It's on yeah, HBO Max, I think, isn't it? Or uh, no, it's it's isn't it a uh, FX show? It's okay. on FX, and you can watch it on Hulu if you don't have FX. But I have one more show for you. You might find interesting. Again, I've talked about it before, but it's taken an interesting angle. The American Horror Story show that I've told told you about on FX. Yeah. This season, the second part of the year. Uh, there's a guy that's playing Dwight Eisenhower that's so convincing that he looks like Eisenhower an hour there's a guy playing nixon there's a guy playing lbj there's a guy playing jfk but mainly it's nixon vice president nixon and, and president eisenhower and it's very convincing and you'll like it because the guy that's playing nixon it's it's a caricature in a way that just makes him like a power hungry like just a piece of garbage <laughs> you know, like that but seriously the guy that's playing eisenhower is so convincing to me that he looks like he could be as like David Eisenhower or somebody else, his grandson. Mm -hmm. Like it's the casting is just immaculate. What what's the name of this again? American, American Horror American Story. Horror Story. The, uh, it's called Double Feature. It's an anthology series. So every year they have a new like story. Right. Yeah. I, I yeah. saw the first two seasons, which it's was like pretty their ninth good. or tenth season now. I think. Yeah. There's there also uh, there's also American Horror Stories, which are yeah, like short stories good. of uh, one episode stories. This one is season 10. It's called Double Feature, and it's two uh, two different 
tales, if you will. But the second one focuses on uh, that conspiracy theory that really there were aliens in what they call it, Area 51 or whatever. So within the context of that story, Eisenhower makes a treaty with the aliens, uh, basically saying that you can kidnap X amount of people, study on them, uh, and you give us a shit ton of technology so we can win the Cold War. But it's like they do it against his, like they kidnap his wife, that kind of stuff. So it's begrudging. But Nixon's all for it. You know, like, oh, the technology will be better for us to have it than the Soviets. You know, that kind of thing. <laughs> but Eisenhower is more like they're kidnapping Americans. I can't do this. You know, but uh, but they take over his wife's body and like he's forced into it. But it's a little bit, it's better than what I'm making it out to be. I don't know how it's going to end. The, the season finale is Tuesday. I may end up not liking the finale, but the performances of Johnson and Nixon and Eisenhower, I mean, Kennedy to a degree, the Eisenhower guy is brilliant. Mm -hmm. I, so for that historical thing, I think you would enjoy that. I, I do. And there's a Marilyn Monroe on there. You know, it's just, it's set in the 50s and 60s and it bounces around. It's nonlinear. It's fun, man. <laughs> well, uh, we're getting kind of a 50-50 in the chat room. Some people say, yeah, I'm going to stay away from it. Some people are like me. I'm, I'm going to give it a chance because I like uh, stuff with politics on it. And I like the first two years of that series. So, um, by the way, Ashley says that uh, – and I'm mispronouncing your name, so I apologize. Um, she says she loves Ash horror. Ash, 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 Ash Slashy. Is that correct, Dan? You know her, right? No. Not in real life. I mean, I, if I'm she likes horror not, porn. That sounds like pretty cool, man. This, site, uh, the this girl mountain. sounds pretty cool. Uh, uh, hold on, John. You got you, you can't talk over Dan. It's, sorry. <laughs> go ahead, Dan. I'm sorry. I was saying that I met her. I haven't met her in real life, but she's from uh, like Facebook dating or whatever. Oh, okay. Well, I, I just wanted to look up some horror porn titles. What about uh, movies like uh, A Wet Dream on Elm Street? <laughs> or <laughs> Scooby-Doo Triple X <laughs> e Evil Head <laughs> Like if you were tied down and forced to like get it from someone that you're related to yes. or like someone that you just hate yes. that would be Evil Head you know? like if, if you were tied down and like Mike Holmgren comes in and starts sucking your dick. You're like, no, <laughs> that would be awful. Hand job cabin, <laughs> <laughs> the sex files. Yeah. I gotta, I gotta check me some horror porn. Out. <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, what else? Uh, is there a horror movie on Halloween? That is your go-to like around Christmas time. When A Wonderful Life is on, I think that it's only on once a year now, NBC bought the rights to it. Hey, I want to watch it. I want to I have a good little cry in that last minute yeah, of the movie when uh, that little kid is saying, uh, uh, every time it, uh, every time bells ring, an angel gets his wings, some shit like that. Great movie for Christmas. What about for Halloween? What's a great, to start with you, what's a great Halloween movie for you? Oh boy, uh, I guess the the Nightmare Before Christmas is pretty classic. Yeah, the, uh, Tim, no, yes, not, not a fan. Oh, okay. Oh, I love it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, 
trying to think. Of, what about uh, you, Dan? As as Tooch is racking the brain here, I see the smoke coming out in between his ears. <laughs> Uh, what about do you have a like a, a classic horror movie that you like to rely on uh, a Halloween night for some spooks? Well, first off, I don't like a nightmare before Christmas. I know that's a sin, but I don't like a lot of animated shit. Uh, I love the first three in Nightmare on Elm Street films. The just the first three. I love the first two Halloween films. I watch all the subsequent sequels, and I'm always un- unhappy. I love the first two. And I love uh, the first four Friday the 13th movies, so I can't really go wrong with those. But if you don't mind me telling you a small, two, two, maybe a minute story, uh, one that sticks out to me so much, and it's not because the movie was so great. I told you this once in text. I don't know if it was a, you know, a meaningless conversation and I was at work, so I don't know if it stood out to you. But okay. uh, a film that resonates with me so much, even to this day, it was in, so the film's from 1989. It's Friday the 13th Part 8. Jason takes Manhattan again, just a poor rate. It's just, I mean, I, I enjoy it for what it is. You know, it's not, it's not Godfather two, you know what I'm saying? But sure. <laughs> it's okay for what it is, but I didn't get to see it until the summer of 90. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is absolutely true. I'm not lying about this at all. So it comes on HBO that summer. And in my, for whatever reason, like there was a closet in the room that like, you know, when you're a boy, you have your, your room, your bedroom. Mm-hmm. And there was an old closet that had been shut up because my grandmother died when I was three. And they put all of her shit in this closet and, like, there was drawers over it. Like, you couldn't even open it. It was like a time capsule. I had never been in there. And something happened and there was a water leak. And it was in that closet. So it that old fucking clothing smell got damp. And then, you know, it got hot. So that smell would just permeate it. That was palpable in my room. It was just awful. And yeah, I had this fan on like 24 seven. Cause you know, you're trying to anything you can do to get rid of that smell. So when I think of that movie, for some reason, I instantly go back to that smell. It never leaves me. If I think about that movie, I think about that damp clothing smell and just how hot it was and how that fucking fan was on. And it wasn't doing anything. And that smell wouldn't go away. So that, like, I don't know what that means, but that film always conjures up that memory of that awful smell. And this is Friday the 13th, part eight, Jason Takes Manhattan? Yes, because, again, it came to the theater in 89, but I saw it when it first hit HBO in the summer or spring of 90, whenever all this went down for me. And I got the trailer on now, which is just a single shot, and all of a sudden... You see Jason turn around after he's staring at the skyline, and New Yorkers everywhere are running for their lives. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's a poor sequel. Like, I wouldn't tell anybody, oh, this is the movie you have to watch. But as a boy, I liked it. So I still kind of like it today. It's like we had a show. Remember in the off season, at some point, we did a show about like guilty pleasures or movies that we know are bad, but we still like them. And uh, we did a topic on that one night, one of our five-hour shows. You maybe don't even remember it, but I, I this is good in that category. I know the movie's not very good, but I like it anyway. By the way, Ashley Slashy says that she has evil head, and so what I, of course, want to ask is, you mean the movie or you? <laughs> <laughs> maybe she'll respond to that. By the way, Brandy is in the house. Brandy, how are you, baby? 
Did you ever see the last house on the left, the West Craven one? Oh, absolutely. When I was a kid, I mean, that was yeah. one of the yeah. greatest marketing campaigns for a movie ever. It's just a movie. Keep repeating. It's just a movie. It's just a movie. It's just a movie. And so we, you know, we're 13, 14 we, old kids. We, we snuck into an R-rated movie and loved it, man. We wouldn't fucking leave the theater. And we were there, 13, 14 years old, we were there with our model wine, <laughs> drinking Richard's uh, or, or Mad Dog. Well, Rose. Rose. Yeah. Watching this yeah. fucking really, really abominable movie that is so fucking, the way I remember it anyway, there's so much bloodletting in that movie. But it was a well-made three, movie. I have three fun facts for you on that. A is... Uh, the character, the main guy in it, his name is Krug, K-R-U-G. Wes Craven was so happy with that character that he, like in his mind, the monster in Nightmare on Elm Street had to be something associated with Krug. So Fred Krueger was born from Krug on Blast House on the Left. True story. Secondly, the guy, this ties into the quote-unquote evil head, which is the reason I brought this up. Remember at the end of their last house on the left, the one guy gets his cock bitten off when the mom was sucking his dick and just intensely biting it? Yeah. Uh, th that's evil head. But the third one, <laughs> the, third point, the guy that she's biting his dick off in reality was a gay porn star. They found him in gay porn. See, I know this because of the like the bonus features on the Blu-ray or something. And like he hated the film. He thought it was trash. And like, a couple of the other actors are like, why the fuck did he do it if he's not going to like the film? Fuck him. Yeah, so the guy that got his dick bitten off was in gay porn and just hated the film and thought it was immoral. So, Dan, what are some of your favorite gay porn titles? <laughs> I don't think I have any. I was... <laughs> well, let's, let's look some up in the Google machine. <laughs> <laughs> your wife's going to be like, what the heck was my husband surfing on? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really. Hey, going over this guy's history. Holy shit! What are you? <laughs> Funny There's something you want to tell me, Aldo? <laughs> uh, the secret hard on. <laughs> Tear Force One. <laughs> Tear Force One's all right. Moby Dick. <laughs> secret. The serpent in my asshole. <laughs> <laughs> That's a Wes Craven movie, the original, I should say. <laughs> Not the board title. Um, Ashley says, what, what was the one? Ashley said something I wanted to share, but it's gotten away from me. Anyway. Um, well, Brandy's the one that's a connoisseur of gay porn. Ask Brandy. Oh, Brandy, uh, give me some porn titles we can uh, have a laugh over. <laughs> This is funny. Brandy again loves interracial gay porns. What she told me, she loves specifically the black gentleman to be blowing the white gentleman. Oh, oh wow! Cool. There you go. Is that something that you're into, John? Tooch? <laughs> <laughs> I have not. I have not seen any. You ever role play being a black man, Tooch? <laughs> no, not, uh, that, and hopefully that'll never turn up in any of my emails. Right. <laughs> I'm glad the FCC is not uh, listening, listening in on this show. Uh, uh, gay porn, naked blowing. That, see that? That's probably not too far from the truth, though. <laughs> 
Eddie Eddie Jackoff. Uh, that's the uh, gay porn with Eddie Jackson. Um, I'm probably going to get in trouble for talk, making fun of gay porn, but it's fun. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, I Brandy has not. To, oh, wait a minute. She says, Brandy says, I don't watch full length movies. A nice five minute clip is all she needs of some good. She's just breaking one off. I got it. I got ah, it. Yeah. You ever do that, Dan? You just, you know, I'm not going to. I'm not going to spend 45 minutes watching porn and knock one out. I'm going to go for the quick three-minute one. The money yeah, shot. When I was younger, man, there was always movies that, like, you were your go-to. You know, like when you got to keep the TV down because there's other people at home and shit, and you don't want anybody to know you're masturbating. So, yeah, there were always films, like, when I was really young, like when Sharon Stone would show her fucking twat and basic instinct. Yeah. I, the tape, the tape would have all kinds of lines and shit in it at that moment because I was like, you know, just beating off to that that vagina. Uh, Demi Moore in about last night when Rob Lowe's fucking her in that montage. Yes. Uh, I used to beat off to that all the time as a kid. And then that that Emmanuel two, <laughs> the joys of a woman. Oh, love that. Yeah, it was Sylvia Crystal, and she's like, she's uh, their friend, the friends of Virgin in it. And she talks, this is so like ahead of its time because everybody's poly now. So it's like she talks her friend into losing her virginity with her and her husband. Mm -hmm. So uh, it's like the husband's kissing her and all of a sudden you see her big bush and Sylvia Crystal goes down and starts eating it. Man, I, I'm sure I beat off to that like probably hundreds of times in the summer of 1994. Wow. What's the most you've ever uh, masturbated one day, Tooch? I don't know, maybe three times <laughs> when I was when Jeez. I had energy now I'm in my 50s school like in like eighth ninth grade and nobody else was home uh -huh. and you just turn the TV up and like not worry about oh my god if I stayed home alone for an eight hour period guaranteed I if I'm 14 guaranteed I, I beat it six seven times wow. <laughs> all right everyone in the chat room just just say a number just write in a number how many times most in one day men women all join in bear your soul along with tooch who says three and dan who says eight or nine on a good day when no there was no school and nobody at home and the music was blasting loud eight or nine right dan I was saying six or seven, but hey, eight or nine, I'll okay. take it. Yeah, yeah, man. eight or nine I'm, is what I was thinking about for myself. That has to be the most. During the uh, the the Wani days of Bears football, you know, Wani was with us ninety three through ninety eight. That six year, I mean, it's five years, but six seasons. Uh, during that era, there's the height of my testosterone. I would say so. My goodness, yeah. So during the Wani era, I was beating it like. I mean, an unsavory amount of masturbating. PJ says that he has never, never, seriously, never beat off. Never. He's messing out. <laughs> you are, PJ. Jeez. When you masturbate, you're saying, I care about me. Yeah. I mean, when I have sex with my wife and my girlfriends, I <laughs> I look out for their needs. Sometimes there's got to be time for me to look out for my needs. <laughs> I'm going to be sleeping on the sofa tonight. Yeah, honey. <laughs> uh, all right. So we got a number. George says six times. So he's down there um, 
in your in your uh, minor league level, Dan. No one's reached the majors. <laughs> no, not that George. Oh, this is gonna say, wow. <laughs> George. Uh, can you pronounce that, uh, George Silicus? Silicus. Yeah, that's a, like Greek. a cool name there, right? That's Greek. It looks like it's Greek. Four thousand clovers, eight yeah. or nine. God damn, you rubbed that raw. Oh, yeah, you, you, I thought. You, <laughs> I thought he was talking about himself. Pookie Nation on this. Uh, King Pookie Nation, uh, give us a number. I know you were in the chat room earlier. So, yeah, we want to know. King's got those hands, those small, delicate hands that he could probably throw a dozen times. <laughs> hey, I got one for you. Have you ever beaten off? See, I'm right-handed. Uh -huh. I, I've done this. I'm not making this up. I'm not trying to be funny. Uh, but uh, there would be times where I would, like, beat it left-handed mm -hmm. and close my eyes and pretend that it was, a, a like, a girl beating me off. Because my left hand doesn't know what the fuck it's doing. I'm not ambidextrous at all. Mm -hmm. So it would take me a while. I'd start sweating. I'd get aggravated and stuff. But it <laughs> felt like a legitimate girl was beating my dick. Wow. What about the stranger? You know the stranger, Dan? That's where you like like uh, cut off the circulation so your arm goes numb and then beat off. Give yourself a stranger. Never heard that before, Teach. Well, I never did it. I heard of it, though. <laughs> yeah, okay. I've never done these people, these celebrities die where they choke themselves in their beating, like the guy from right. NXS, the Carradine guy. I've never done any of that shit. No, oh, I see. I would have yeah. pictured you for putting a belt around your neck and, you know, tying it as tight as possible. <laughs> Autoerotic asphyxiation. <laughs> and, uh, did you say autoerotic asphyxiation? <laughs> Autoerotic asphyxiation, but there oh. was a, there was an X Files episode about that. If you ever mm -hmm. with uh, uh, God, what's that guy's name? Peter uh, Boyle, a guy who won a he won yeah. an Emmy for a guest appearance on the X Files, and there was a you know he described autoerotic as asphyxiation without calling her. Yeah, like he, that was his that was his get off. You mm -hmm. know, in the in the series, he was a reluctant psychic that could tell the future. I don't know how I do it. I just do it. You know, it was like the killer asked him, how do you know, how do you know I'm a killer and how, why do I do the things I do? Peter Boyle said, because you're a homicidal maniac. <laughs> that was it. It's a great episode. It. Great episode. And then, you know, uh, Scully finds him with a sheet of plastic over his face, you know, with, you know, it's a condensation because he had, he had masturbated himself to death. Mm. David Carradine censored one is asking David Carradine died that way. He's not asking. Yeah. He's telling us. Yeah, right. Yeah, I said that. I said that Carradine guy. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So Carradine. Michael Hutchins and David Carradine, right? Yeah, those yeah. are the two. It wasn't have haven't there been other ones? Wasn't there um some other guy not too long ago, maybe 10 years ago? <laughs> I, I don't know. Anyways. Oh, you had it up already. <laughs> hey, uh Dan, George wants to know have you ever used a flashlight? No, I haven't. And I don't like to use lube. Lube is disgusting. I always just fucking beat it with my hand and let's go. Yeah, I'm the same way. Good and dry. Get, let's get this baby done with. I got seven more to go. It's so much, it's, it's so much gentler, though, with the lube. But I would like to try a flashlight. Maybe someone in the chat room can uh, send one my way. Yeah, well, that's going to be in the merchandise store. The, 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 the uh, Bears Barber. Bears Barber. Bears Barber. Swag shop. 
There's uh, somebody, modern network flashlights. Somebody about 20 minutes ago said this show's gone off the rails. No, it's way fucking past off the rails. It's, it was, it's in the trash. Went off the rails and crashed into the porno shop below. Well, okay, I can understand now why PJ has never masturbated. He says he had a girlfriend and he did it 15 times in three hours. Now, this was when in his early 20s, so he's down to about 12 or 11 times in three hours. But that's pretty good, PJ. Congratulations. You win the chat room of the day chat. The stranger. the stranger. Go ahead, tell me more about the stranger thing, because I've never fucking heard of that. The stranger is where you cut off the circulation so your arm goes numb. You like like when you lay on your arm or something and you wake yeah. up and it's all numb. That that's mm-hmm. when you're supposed to beat off it. So it's like it's like someone else is doing it to you. Yeah, no, see, when, when my arm goes numb and I can't feel it, I, I fucking get into panic. I said, please, please. <laughs> no fucking way. Am I thinking about jerking off? <laughs> All right, I, I, I got to go, man. I'm tired. You guys want to finish the show? and uh, uh, Let's go out on a prediction. Is there any way right, yeah. we we'll get back to football? Yeah, let's finish it off with football predictions. Go ahead. Dude. You go first, and then uh, and then I'll, and then Dan can close the show with his hopeful yeah. thought about the Bears. Go ahead, Tooch. Well, I'll tell you right now that the Bears, like I, I don't know, someone in the chat room said the Bears' identity was it? Maybe it was in your in your media presentation that the Bears' identity is to run the ball. Mm-hmm. You know, whether it's with Montgomery or Herbert, they're going to have a hard time running the ball against. Vita Vea and Tampa Bay's, you know, front four because mm-hmm. they're the best at stopping the run. I tell you, if, if the Bears can't run the ball, I, I don't know what they're going to do. They're going to rely on Justin Fields to win the game for them. I just don't see it happening. I, I, I I'd be rooting for the Bears, of course, mm-hmm. of course I will. But this game looks like thirty-five to twenty-one to me. Tampa Bay, but I'll be rooting for my Bears. If they if they pull it off, boy, it would be something. Yeah, I agree. Um, I'll go, and then uh, Dan can finish up. Here, here's what I think. Yeah, realistically, they're gonna fucking get beat by the score that John said, but perhaps they can win if, like Dan said, you know, this is a turning point that they use this embarrassment that the team and the franchise is going through. They use it to come out with a fiery attitude to go out on the road with the determination of really getting to Tom Brady. You know, he gets rid of the ball quickly. He's rarely sacked because he's just a magician with that ball. But figuring out a way to get him, just like you did last year, sacked his ass multiple times, do it again, and then figure out a way to uh, maybe shift the, the running game because the Bucks are so good against the run, so you're probably not going to have a lot of success. Shift that into a small passing game, a lot of screen passes, a lot of those flat passes and so forth, and then take a shot downfield, tw- explosive plays. Every you know six or seven snap, just test them. Maybe you can create some room for the running game in that short passing game if you hit on some of those uh, uh, poor passes, but um, uh, deep passes. But the key thing here is is that you got to you got to at a certain point you got to tell Justin Fields this is your game, man. You, you're going to win this game f- f- uh, for us with your arm, and maybe this is the, the time that he can go out there and do it, and and. Then my last uh, key to victory is you tie up Matt Nagy, you tie his wrist together, 
and you and you put one of those uh, like um, in Pulp Fiction those those balls and in, in, <laughs> in his mouth so he can't hear him screaming and stuff, and you lock him up in the locker room and you keep him there. At Hallis Hall, he's, he's, he's not even a Tampa Bay. And maybe then you got a chance to, to win this game. But uh, something dramatic has to happen. Um, and, hell, if they lose but they, they give a great effort, I'll at least take that. You know, this is a great Bucks team. Um, but I fucking hate to lose to Rodgers one week and then the next week lose to Brady. Oh, fuck. <laughs> I might take the week off if that happens. Uh, go ahead, Dan. Didn't Brady say something negatively about uh, Fields in the preseason too, about ho- holding onto the ball? Oh too long? yes. So that's something else that they should use. I mean, I know he's Tom Brady and he can get away with almost anything because of all of his comments uh, or all of his championships, rather. But that's got to be another thing of motivation. I I could see this game either going, you know, forty-five to ten, Tampa Bay. Or like in week two of 2000, we went down there and lost 41 to nothing, which was mm-hmm. dreadful. Uh, I could see that, or I could see the Bears getting a lot of turnovers and some sacks and frustrating them like they did last year. If they can be in the game late, uh, they have a chance because Santos can make the kicks. You know, at least I don't want to jinx them, but if they can just be in it the way they were last year, find a way, whether by turnovers or sacks or something, short fields, no pun intended. Uh, whatever you got to do to stay in the game. And then if you're in it, you can make make some hay and get an upset. I probably would bet if I had to that it would be more likely to be 45 to 10. But I should point out that the lovely, uh, sexy Miss Heidi Zimmerman uh, in a private uh, message with me, I think on Monday, I can't remember what day, okay. she has gone out on a limb and said that the Bears will be in Tampa this weekend. Ooh, well, by the way, uh, Ashley Slashy says that lube is fun. <laughs> who, is, who is lube? I am not. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, they they uh, they should just stop giving Matt Nagy a paycheck. Maybe he'll go away, like in office space. <laughs> you know, just stop paying him. That seems like a McCaskey thing to do. Oh, you know, <laughs> maybe he'll I just see, leave. I, 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 uh, Isaiah Robles and I were commenting a little bit on DMs, and I, I'm actually starting to feel a little sorry for Matt Nagy. I mean. He's going to go out of town. He's going to leave town humiliated and defeated, much like Tressman was. I bet you that Tressman's uh, uh, experience here in Chicago really was a big blow to him professionally. He was probably depressed. And, and, and that same thing is going to happen to Nagy. And so who do you blame for this? You blame Ted Phillips and the people who are hire these guys who don't know how to hire other people, and you're basically ruining their lives. Yeah, you're giving them a lot of a lot of money but uh you, you're you're just hiring ineffective people and and sometimes money isn't enough for what it does to your reputation you're thrown into a situation where you hate your job I mean, you listen to matt nagy's recent press conferences he's trying hard to have you know chipper tone to him but he knows the writing's no on the comment world. is that what he said recently he said no comment Regarding the uh, officiating, you right? Know, what, do you, what do you think? It's like, come on, take the take the twenty five thousand dollar fine and stand up for your players, you know? Yeah, yeah cool. Uh, it, the thing is, is that they, the the people in charge of the Bears hire people who are doing the job for the first time, you know, like Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace. I'd like to see them, you know, find the best freaking executive that 
has done it for a while at a high level of success and hire that person as you know as, as someone that knows what they're doing in this in this business all the places where ted and george don't know anything about you know have someone mm -hmm. you know uh, uh that that knows the the league knows talent knows the game of football and then can sniff out bullshit of the bullshit of coaches who are, are you know in over their head or you know selling you a story like a shoe salesman like they said like a snake oil salesman it's just that's what's needed exactly Dan, where are you going to be performing? Um, Vegas, Atlantic City. Tell, you, tell your fans. Nice clay in Connecticut. I <laughs> <laughs> got one more question for you, for real. I keep reading about it, and I need to watch it. Now, maybe you have. Why is everybody on Dave Chappelle right now, like uh, saying that like he went over the line? What did he say? Does anybody know? I don't know. Uh, apparently so, on his Netflix special, he he created some controversy. I don't know what he said though. He's got a new special that, and this happened just recently. A new comedy yeah, special, he yeah. Created headlines this week. Mm -hmm. I think it's like stand up, and he's you know he kind of rips on a lot of things. I haven't seen it yet. I've been meaning to watch it, but yeah, I like haven't a, seen. Uh, he kind of went anti woke. You know, I haven't seen him since uh, his Saturday Night Live appearance, and I've missed his Netflix uh, specials. But I did read an article about him just a couple days ago that, you know, Netflix has this very secretive way of measuring audiences. And uh, and, and it's called like a, a, a black box or something. It's, it's, it's very secretive. And they don't release those numbers generally. But uh, it did come out that his Chappelle went against the gay mafia trans people in particular. Um, well, that's not right. But, but his his apparently Netflix has leaked out that his numbers aren't very good. That you know people start watching his comedy specials on Netflix and they start to tune out pretty quickly. You know they can measure at what point uh, you start to lose your audience. Like we started losing our audience about an hour and a half ago, <laughs> and then Netflix can measure that measure that too so he's you know who knows maybe maybe netflix is feeling this pressure about uh what you know the cancel culture out there and 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 maybe they're trying to work their way out of the agreement they have with dave chappelle now chappelle i know he has uh talked highly about the netflix executives you know that they allow him to do whatever he wants and blah blah yep. blah but um maybe maybe there's a separation coming soon to a theater near you they they paid him twenty four million too for that special, but some uh, Netflix employee uh, uh, released the uh, the you know in classified or confidential information and was fired for uh, after the controversy of Chappelle. You know she released mm -hmm. the how much he made on this, how much Netflix paid him, and they, they didn't like that either. So I guess she she got canned. Mm -hmm. So yeah. All right, Dan. Any final words? I hope that somehow we're back here next week and we're four and three. This would be like, do you know how I'm making analogous to the Cleveland loss where it just felt like the world was falling, like the sky was falling. Mm -hmm. And then how different we felt simply by beating the Lions. Imagine that now as low as we are because of this Packer, like this latest atrocity with Green Bay. But if you can beat the reigning, defending Super Bowl champions, then your whole season suddenly looking up again if you could beat San Francisco on my birthday. Uh, and then, you know, I guess Pittsburgh's 
after that. But if you if you come out of this with a win, you could save your season. When we need saving. Final it's, words are done. Go ahead, Tooch. Quick. It's, uh, it's funny that in, in in spite of how low we feel, we're still three and three. You know, but yeah, I mean, yeah. But the yeah. thing is, you you beat three teams who are you know not that good, and you right. lost to three teams that are considered good. That that's that's, that's Matt Nagy. He's a five hundred coach. Exactly. So, exactly. I mean, no surprises. But I, as far as beating Tampa Bay, would I love to see it? Absolutely. But mm-hmm. Tom Brady is playing at a very high level, man. He just picked apart the last team he played. I forget. I forget who they played last. He just sliced, sliced and career. diced him up. What was that then? Maybe we can end his career. Oh. <laughs> there you go. The way that's the way you got to beat him. It's the Shane McClellan, the Shane McClellan play, right? You shouldn't exactly. say that. You should think it, but you shouldn't say it. <laughs> you should think it, but not say it. Exactly. All right, everybody. We'll see you next week on Dan and Aldo. Make sure you follow all the other great programming here at the Barroom Network and follow John Santucci at John Satucci VIP. He's the gambling man. He's got great tips for you. There is no Mike North advantage this Thursday, so oh, make sure no. you follow Toot for your gambling advice and make sure you support Dan Aguirre by going over to the Barroom Network swag shop and buying a Barroom Network hat. That way I can get Dan Aguirre a Christmas present. Hey, don't forget the Bears game this week's a late kick. It is so- a late kick, so Bear Football, the show, our after game show, will be on late. I'll be thoroughly soused by then (laughs) (laughs) goodbye everybody be well gentlemen fuck you